It's time for Windows Weekly. Paul Therat is here. Richard Campbell from Runners Radio and .NET Rocks joins us as well. Uh, we're going to talk, of course, about Windows. There's a lot to say about Windows 11 and why different people get different versions of Windows. Uh, Bing is apparently going to include chat GPT in its search. That'll be interesting. We'll have a report on products from CES. Some of them are great. Some of them eh, a little weird. And uh, we're going to take a look at Microsoft's response to the FTC complaint over Activision and Blizzard. There's some interesting stats in there. Plus a look at the uh, final results from the Stack Overflow survey. That and a whole lot more, and, and including how bourbon works. <laughs> yes, all that. And more coming up next on Windows Weekly. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Windows Weekly with Paul Thorat, episode 810 for Wednesday, January 4th, 2023. Call of Duty Free. Windows Weekly is brought to you by Melissa. Over 10,000 clients worldwide in industries like retail, education, healthcare, insurance, finance, and government rely on Melissa for full-spectrum data quality and ID verification software. Make sure your customer contact data is up to date. Get started today with 1,000 records cleaned for free at melissa.com slash tweet. Thanks for listening to this show as an ad-supported network. We are always looking for new partners with products and services that will benefit our qualified audience. Are you ready to grow your business? Reach out to advertise at twit.tv and launch your campaign now. It's time for Windows Weekly, the first show of 2023. Now, I had to check my checkbook to make sure I had that written down right. Yes. Sure. And uh, with us once again... The lovely and talented curmudgeon, uh, Paul Therat, from the great white north of Pennsylvania, Laura McCungie Township. And on his left, a surprise visit from Richard Campbell of Runners Radio and .NET uh, Rocks. And uh, he is from beautiful Vancouver. What? It is 60, 61 degrees today in the great white north of it's, Pennsylvania. It's 41 degrees here. It's freezing. Yeah. Don't worry, it's going to get terrible in a few days. But So I saw that uh, Andy was talking about this, my mom, that it was raining back east, and it's because yeah. we have a heat wave. We've had, we had a day where, you know, it gets foggy and then it burns off. We had a day that it was foggy and it was foggy all day, and then it was night and it was foggy, and it was foggy the next morning, too. <laughs> like it's, just, it's just the, the <laughs> weirdness of the temperatures, yeah. How about you, Richard? What's Vancouver like? Right um, you know, 10 degrees in the free, in freedom units, of course, and raining. <laughs> Oh, so I used to yeah, go down we, to the Gaslight District. I love that with the old brick sidewalks and the warehouses. Gastown, yeah, Gastown. It's yeah. still down there, and you know, brick sidewalks and la and rain are really exciting. Oh, mm -hmm. slippery as hell. Oh yeah, well, I used yeah. to drive drift my motorcycle out of there. <laughs> Not get the wheel kicked out, but hooked up and just get on out of it. Unintentional I believe that drifting. My, my, the the tile we use that someone put in in, uh, in our kitchen is the material they use for slippy slides. Mm. And yeah. uh, God help you if it gets wet, which it will because it's a kitchen. I am lucky I don't have a broken ankle or femur or something because uh, we we were on vacation in Mexico and the floors were marble everywhere. Yeah, oh, man. And, that, that's. Uh, Oof, that's like a bar of soap. Yeah. 
I yeah. brought in sand and just spread it around. Mm-hmm. I took exactly. some sand yeah, from the beach. Sand exactly. Spread it around. <laughs> yeah. Did the old surf shoe. So I know you could do a split, Leo. That was pretty good. <laughs> I did a couple of uh, inadvertent yeah. splits, and uh, yeah, I felt like, ooh, I dodged a bullet there. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing worse than Christmas than a groin pull injury. <laughs> um, um, so uh, last week we did their best of, which I'm, I, yep. I uh, hear was re- re- well received by all and oh, sundry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it was the best, and it had a lot of Mary Jo Foley. Mary Jo, as you yep. uh, all know by now, has got a better job. She's at Directions, <laughs> directions and Microsoft. Who is this Mary Jo you speak of? Who is? She for, we've forgotten familiar. her. We've forgotten her. But I'm glad Richard's here, and I, mm-hmm. I, I hope you can make this a uh, a more regular uh, appearance. We love having you on the show. We'll, we'll try. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. Um, uh, well, I guess we should talk about uh, Windows. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I wish we had something to talk about. Um, so <laughs> the, the issue, of course, is that for those who don't know or don't remember, uh, second half of December, pretty much Microsoft shuts down, right? Yeah, so it's slow. We got some insider builds right toward the middle of the month, and uh, then that was kind of it. But this couple of little things, um, I wouldn't call this hard news, <laughs> but um, we know that Microsoft intends to update Windows 11 with what they call internally moments. You know these these updates. Um, you mean like Kodak just, moments? Like these are the moments of your life. You mean uh, that kind of moments? It's literally kind of slice in time stuff. It's like, hey, it's been a few months. What can we throw in? You know? Yeah. Um, it feels to me like it's the moment you can't find what you were looking for. <laughs> Yeah, the well, moment you walk through the door uh, the, and said, "What am wrote, I? Uh, what am I doing here? What is? What's happening?" It's like when you're writing a book and like every computer you have has different stuff on it. That's the moment. That's <laughs> oh. I have that moment all the so time. So, is this in the start menu? Where does this show up? No, it doesn't show up. That's one of the tricks. It doesn't really show up anywhere. It's kind of a problem. So, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Well, no, I was actually all right. So you just you, you would just before the show started, we're talking about Winver, right? So yeah, Winver doesn't have any information about other stuff going on. We talked about. Um, that system about thing where you can scroll down and it says, hey, you're on Windows Feature Experience Pack, right? whatever the version number is, right? And that's kind of interesting because you could be on Windows 10 or Windows 11 and still be on the same Feature Experience Pack version number, which is whatever. Um, mm-hmm. There's no notation in here about like what moment you're on. <laughs> so this is not a, it, 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 which is part of the trickiness, you know, that you, it's kind of hard to know. We, um, you can find the exact build number, right? Winver has that. You were saying you were on 22621.63, yeah, yeah, which is yeah. the latest stable build, right? But that too is no indication necessarily of what features you may or may not have in the OS. It's tricky. Um, so I will say that based on how they've done it so far, and they've they've had a few moment updates already, um, that lower part of the build number will increment. I mean, that will be a little bit of an indication, I guess. But um, you just have to kind of look for this stuff. It depends on what we're talking about. So, for example, uh, according to a report in Windows Central, the first of several moment updates could arrive as soon as February. And it will include some of the things they've been testing in the Windows Insider program, right? So uh, that redesigned search button, which is <laughs> out in stable, which is crazy. Um, the studio effects thing, which we're actually going to talk a little bit later in an unexpected place, but this is um, this is the thing that uses like a neural processor that might be built into your computer, which isn't because no one has this yet, but they will soon. Um, that uh, allows you to off um, offload AI tasks from the CPU and GPU, right, to save those uh, resources. 
um, some changes to system tray overflow, a tablet optimized taskbar, which actually is already out in the world, frankly, but whatever. So there's, there's little changes, right? And so I think this is this is how we're going to be getting Windows updates now. They're just going to dribble these things out. Um, and then they'll have a, a once-a-year update where everything that came out in the past year arrives, you know, for those corporations that decided to skip the moments. Um, well, I think every corporation will skip the moments. Like, come on, if you're if you are the, the IT guy and me immediately <laughs> freaks out, right? It's like right. Because my now I don't know what tech support I'm going to support, right? Everybody's got a different search Ugh. bubble. Like yeah. it's terrifying. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Now, on yeah. the other side, if I if I have control over that and you're going to test all this on consumers, I'm a fan. You know, as, as <laughs> well, the IT then you're going to love this system, like, Richard, because that is what they're doing. Yeah, well, not not going to do it to me. You know, <laughs> this is this, <laughs> this is, is the standard IT mantra. This is change is good. You go first. Right. Change is good for you. I wouldn't eat that, but honestly, you'll probably love it. <laughs> At know. least we're going to know for sure what it'll do to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so now that uh, people are starting to find their way back to work, I mean, I assume we're going to start getting insider builds um, possibly as soon as this week, honestly. I guess we'll see. But And by people, you uh, mean Microsoft people. Mm. Yeah, sorry. That's right. Yep. But it takes a while. I mean, uh, you don't code mm-hmm. up moments just uh, on a weekend. I, so I they, don't know. Have you seen the quality? Yes, I think you do. <laughs> so the the search pill that you were just talking about, as we keep saying, has lost its mouse over capability, right? It used to do like a little, or I guess it was, yeah, a, yeah like a mouse yeah. over. Um, Which was very handy. Little, yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Doesn't yeah. do it anymore. Yeah. It's like, uh, but it's software designed by a committee, right? They, they're, they're testing oh, it. Oh, I wish there were that many people involved. <laughs> I think yeah. it has the feel of um, not a lot of oversight, you know? That's that's what it feels like to me, but well, you know, we'll see. Like, I, I, Windows 11 has certainly gotten better. Um, the search pill thing is not great. That's to me, that's just a, a really bad indicator, a really good indication of how bad things have gotten. Where this thing they're still testing in the Insider program, they're not sure what design they want, has already been deployed out in the world to millions and millions of people um, who are not an Insider. I, that's crazy to me. That's too bad. I'm, I'm hoping this is actually an A/B testing strategy. Right, that they they're they're not yeah. just throwing stuff out there. That they have a few different versions, and they're you know unwi- yeah, they're uh, putting it upon people somewhat unwillingly, and then instrumenting it to come to see what's happening. But so I, I do think it's important to do I, that. I know, don't well, like for folks that. that I, I'm just I, I I don't like the notion that Microsoft would do that without asking permission, and I would agree. do it to normal yeah. people who don't know yeah. any better. Um, that's a little, that's iffy to me. I hope, I mean, but on the other hand, that's better than oops. You know, like <laughs> if, if there was a strategy, at least you could say, look, it's evil and it's bad, but at least you knew what you were doing. It was planned uh, yeah. evil. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. I mean, the, the scary part is no plan. Yeah. A evil right. plan is better than no plan. That's exactly right. That's interesting. Yeah. Is it? We don't know. They've never said anything about it. <laughs> they literally have never addressed the fact that this start pill thing that they are literally still testing is out in the world. Uh, no one's, uh, to my knowledge, they have I've never, never said, I mean, uh, never said a thing. It seems like everybody now has it though, right? Or no, not everybody. Uh, not everybody? Not, no, but most people probably do. Most individuals probably do, I would say, on unmanaged PCs, yeah. Unmanaged PCs and everybody mm-hmm. else, Richard's keeping it safe. Yeah, I would think so. They probably still have the magnifying glass icon. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, What would you block to keep from getting that? Just out of curiosity. How would you, as a, as a IT guy, Richard say, Oh, we're going to keep that thing off our computers. Yeah. We we control update. Right. I mean, that's the main thing. But if they ever said where that update was, they never said how it happened. No, they don't. So that's, that's that's the problem, but we do know where it came from. Right. So we, we, we know it arrived in, I don't know off the top of my head, a KB. Was it in a hot fix or a KB? It was a cumulative update that shipped in November. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then you're blocking a cumulative update that may have important Important things things to not get a search pill. It's like a Congress spending bill, Leo. Sometimes it's pork. (laughs) We need, um, we need, (laughs) there's earmarks. We need a line item veto for IT. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's not a new idea, right? Hasn't that been pitched before? Well, it has always been this pitch of give me a security patch stream and give me an everything else. That's stream. right. That's yeah. Right. There you go. Like, so I want the all security the patches for sure. But then, you know, then a PM is like, no, no, no. My thing is really important. Why don't right. they do that? That's that seems like obvious. But I, I'd actually no manufacturer does that. They always mm-hmm. mix them in with everything else. Yeah. Well, and the other side of this is confusion. What have you applied? Right. Like. The first thing that's going to happen if you call PSS about a PC with problems is, so what version are you on? Yeah. You know, they, they're well, trying the to way, figure I, it out, too. So the this is where the weak C... Yeah. Sorry, Rich. This is where the, Rick's, the weak, C, weak C thing comes in, right? So if you're testing patches as an administrator or whatever, IT Pro, you could look at what they did in a preview version of a patch in week three and say uh, this one's changing the start or the uh, the search button let's not implement that you know let's let's block this one when it comes out in november or the next month or whatever so there's that but you know this is this puts the onus on it to do this like they're not overworked enough you know mm-hmm. it's not like microsoft telegraphs this thing cuz they they'll describe the update but like i said they never said anything about the search button cha- changing that just happened um we're not, you know, it's not like a like a little prize in a cracker jack box. I I want to know what's happening here. You know, I don't want, I don't want to guess what could be the thing. You know, well, uh, and again, argue, this is that's the such issue a with key Windows UX there. piece, right? I mean, that's yeah. everybody uses that, and you change it's right it there. And I know it's crazy. Box. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. So. Yep. New Year, same complaints, but that's <laughs> well, it wouldn't be the Windows Weekly if we didn't. We well, you some. know, look, I am a, a product of my upbringing. It's not my fault. I'm just saying, you know, this is this is happening to me. It's not. I'm I'm just reacting to it. I I, I want this to be better than it is. You know, um, I, Windows 11 got off to a rocky start, and I it's not dramatically better than it was at the beginning, but it is better, and I'm hoping that trend continues. I I would like this kind of thing to stop. I, I there was a show not too long ago, one of the last couple of shows where I documented i think three or four of these types of things at windows 11 where it's like guys you got to present a consistent face to the world and explain what you're doing you just come out and say something you know but it's not it's not how they work they like to surprise people well i I, I also question do you know like is there a pipeline here is there actually oversight on here are all the modifications (laughs) coming in like no, when I did that like job, because, like we were pretty careful about what's in the bundle. Yeah, it, right. And and I, I guess, look, the only insight I have into this or we have from the outside is that we can see how they test things in the insider program or don't. And we, I think anyone should feel and it should be the case that there is a logical series of steps that occurs before software code makes it from the insider program into stable. It should show up in the dev program first. 
It should go from there to the, the beta. It should go from there to the release preview indicating it's about to come out. It should then go into a preview update, and then it should go into a, a stable cumulative update. That It's a very logical series of steps that would solve a lot of problems. Um, and it's the way things had been done. It just seems like for some reason since 22H2, I think, I'm just trying to think if this happened earlier too. Well, let's just say since last year, um, they just seem to be, it's almost like, it, just throw it out there and see where it lands. So I guess we're going to go beta first and then uh, throw it in the stable, you know? I, it's just it's just different every time. I, f- I can't believe that that's actually how it works. Except that that is how it's worked. <laughs> that's what it <laughs> see, looks like. I, I, know, I know, it sounds, as I'm saying it, I'm like, this doesn't sound like a, a responsible... A responsible adult company no, would be... Not. <laughs> I know. For I know. a flagship product. For a flagship yep. product. We did earlier Listen, today. I was I, on a round may table. Email me today and say, "Hey, look, Paul, you're an idiot." Here's where Microsoft <laughs> documented the search bill. I would love to be proven wrong that yeah, way, but please, I'm telling yeah. you, beg of you. It's months later. I, I yeah, I want to think there's a nobody's something a, pl- a strategy out there, right? I, yeah. We were uh, I did, earlier was on a roundtable with the open source show Floss Weekly, and uh, mm-hmm. one of the things I I, I we we kind of talked about uh, is how devoted microsoft is to windows clearly it's a it's a big part of their revenue but in the long run all of this stuff is just annoying to them as well as us right at which point does this become a burden (laughs) more of a right a burden yeah i don't know i mean you have to have something to move people to Clearly, yeah. they don't really care if you use Windows these days. Well, maybe they do. I don't know. Well, that, uh, no. Well, uh, you know, Satya Nadella made that point. You know, we're going to meet you where you are. Yeah. That was his whole thing yeah. coming out with uh, Office on the iPhone in the beginning, right? You know, we recognize that people use different devices and everything. Um, I still I, look. They, they used to call this kind of a window. Well, first it was Windows only. Then it was Windows first. I mean, it's not. I, I know there are people who are enthusiasts that would prefer to see a Windows first or a Windows best kind of strategy, that kind of thing. And they will talk about that. You know, you'll have a better experience using Microsoft Office on Windows than you will on a mobile device. That's obviously. not true but, anymore, though. Well, it is, it? it is. It is in some ways, right? I mean, the, but, but the touch first or, version of Office, as you say, came out for uh, iOS. First. Right. But it's not as full featured. It's not. Uh, as you know, it doesn't have all those features. At the time, we thought the touch was there was where they were Mm -hmm. going. It was. We, Rich and I, were just talking about this the uh, this continuum thing they had done for Windows Phone. The idea was you would plug it into a dock and you would get a desktop environment and the same Office app, like the Word, Excel, PowerPoint that ran on the phone, would run now as a bigger Windows looking app. And there was a, I don't know, you know, no one will know how long it lasted exactly because it's not like they announced these things. But that was the primary version of Office for at least a year or two until they realized the limitations of the platform were such that they couldn't move forward with that. Well, not to, and then the phone failed too. But that didn't help. Um, you already you already have these full-featured desktop applications. Like, we're never going to duplicate that in UWP. So it, it's just, you know, and phone. It's also the know, foolishness of thinking there'd be one device to rule them all, right? It's like real life is multiple devices. And if you really want to service well, make sure yeah. the same info is available across all of them. Yep. It, it, <laughs> I've talked to you about this today. I talked to Brad about this today. It, it, it's, there is this dream that we will find, uh, in this case, a hardware device that will replace two hardware devices. Or we were talking about Loop, the, this software that will replace two pieces of software. Like I can remove two things and use this one thing and it will, in life will be better. And I, it, look, this is the, 
uh, you know, write once, run everywhere uh, mantra. It's the this has the been the dream of our industry, I think, since it's been an industry. And unfortunately, again and again and again, what you find is that what I call the right tool for the job. You know that um, some devices are just well, no, devices are literally just optimized for certain use cases. They work better for this, and this thing works better for this. And but these know, are like general to, purpose devices. That's yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, in a way, that's we their use a device call. We have a PC, which is a personal computer, but the most personal device that we carry today is not a yeah, computer. It's a, it's a phone. Yeah. Right. I mean, so it's a name. Well, we keep coming up with ways to make the phone screen bigger to try and <laughs> yep. make it into kind of a tablet. Computer. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. And, and they'll, and their Samsung has an environment like this called Dex for their phones where you can, same thing, plug it into a Dex screen, whatever. It's sort of a computer, you know? It's a dream. It's just it just hasn't really been realized. Um, I just don't know that it's a good dream. Yeah, is it is it something people want? I I think a lot of younger people are very happy to use their phone as their primary, and that's that. I do too. That's right. But that's right. But more saliently, it's just like I want to use whatever device I want to use. Right. And my stuff should be there. That's a good point. That well, okay. and that's and, what Microsoft okay. is and, trying and, to do with moments. To that point, <laughs> that, that is what Sachin and Dell. That's his whole his yeah. deal. We're going to meet you where you yeah. are, and that's, that's good because that's the cloud. That's Azure. The way it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's good business. For, good for Microsoft's business. You store everything in the cloud. Yeah. Now that said, they, they still make whatever billions they make every quarter, every year on Windows licenses, which are largely for. Um, new PCs, which is going down, right, because of the hmm. post-pandemic. I, I looked it up. It's twelve percent of the revenue is Windows. Twelve percent. So yeah, thirty That's billion. Yeah, you know, a billion a billionaire produces real money, right? Yeah. As yeah, as a percentage of their revenues, that's a much smaller number than it had been historically. Mm-hmm. It's probably a bigger dollar value than it was, you know, because the company has grown, et cetera. So it's kind of a tough thing. Like that was one of the early discussions. I don't remember if it was Terry. I think it was Terry Myerson had about, you know, Windows. And he was talking about how, look, we need to get this. We want to get it to a billion users. That was the big goal at the time. And, uh, you know, there are only a couple of markets out there that have a billion users, right? Uh, Apple had a billion users across all the devices at the time. It's probably mm-hmm. just iPhone does now. Uh, Android was well above, you know, it was a billion, some billions. I don't remember. Um, and they're like, look, you know, we if we get it there, I mean, we're, we're in that group. But you have to, when you look at, all of the devices out in the world, I mean, the number of smartphones dwarfs the number of PCs by an order, ma- well, not, well, by a wide margin, right? And, no, but you're right. Uh, it's an order of magnitude. It's, yeah. you know, 4 billion it's, it's versus bigger, yeah. 250 million, right? Like, it's, yeah, whatever the, yeah. So it's a different number. And um, yeah, you can't, I, that's, that's the way the world's gone. You just have to recognize yeah. that, so. Well, and I think what Terry was talking about is trying to get win 10 to a billion users. That's because, right. There's, mul- there's two more than two billion Windows users. How many willingly is a separate question. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to go there, but um, yeah. And unfortunately, uh, they use some deceptive uh, counting practices to get to that number. But it's okay. <laughs> Today, it's fair to say Windows 10 uh, did hit that billion mark, of course, and mm-hmm. uh, Windows 11 is struggling, but it will it will get there eventually. Um, Potentially artificially, because Windows 10 will be put out to you know mark, uh, pasture, not, or whatever. Not for another month. couple of years. Yeah, right. Yeah, like yeah. so, we'll get for, for for an IT guy's timeline. They're talking about 2025, and honestly, I don't believe 2025 either. In I the think same way that a, XP is still supported, yeah. right? Because the U.S. XP Navy is still seven, using, yeah, 10 will be yeah. next. Yep. 
Absolutely. And we'll get an extension, inevitably. You can't run an Xbox in a submarine, but you can run XP. (laughs) So actually, what's interesting, if if you go, if you think about this, XP 7, 10, right? Um, Each one of those was a milestone of sale, of, you know, sheer uh, usage size or whatever. Each one bigger than the last. But Windows XP, as the smallest of the three, lasted the longest by far, and that will probably always be the case. And it's the one everyone kind of remembers, right? It's like, oh, XP, those are the good old days. You know, XP at the time, when, in 2001, Windows was still, this is six years before the iPhone. You know, mm-hmm. Windows was still the center of personal computing. Uh, Windows 7 arrived in 2009 right after the iPhone, and that was the beginning of the shift. But that thing, people are like, well, no one's, nothing's ever going to outsell this thing. Like, this is going to be the biggest one ever. But actually, 10 ended up being bigger than 7 yeah. because, the you know, the market's just bigger. It's just bigger. I always Even argue 10, that XP didn't get a replacement for five years. Yeah, so oh, for sure. After there were versions every year before that, right? There That's was, right. Yeah. you know, 98, 98 SE, you know, 2000. Well, there uh, were versions XP. of XP every year, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you think about it, um, they had some issues there. But uh, yeah, so XP, and then XP was kept in market artificial, well, because of this, what happened with Longhorn. And then mm-hmm. it was also kept supported for longer for the same reason, right? That so many companies that adopted it. It's like, you know, they couldn't put the brakes on. I, I remember, oh. again, Terry, for whatever reason, talking about uh, a hospital in London that had gotten attacked. They were all running XP, and XP was not supported, supposedly. And he's like, what are you going to do when the, this whole huge hospital comes to you and says, we got a ransomware attack? You're going to fix it, right? <laughs> like, you have to fix it. You can't say no to yeah. them. Yeah. And they did. Well, insane. So. U.S. Navy. Most bank, I mean, all the ATMs are running XP. Like that, yeah. this is the problem: is those appliance-based implementations. But it's not. It's not the XP. Market. It's not the XP you and I know, right? It's a no, special no, it's, XP for it's XP Warp. Oh, it's replaced OS two. Yeah, OS three exactly. It's a special embedded XP. I mean, it's yeah, not, but it's it's same basic code base though. It's it's not well, running. Windows I hate to media. say it, well, actually, but Windows is, but, 11 is the same base yeah. code base. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are you Honestly, talking about? It's got a beautiful coat of paint on the front. It's, it's completely different. <laughs> well, and, and by, the, by the pattern you just described, Paul, Windows 11 will fall away and Windows 12 will become the important version while Windows 10 yeah, is still Yeah, actually, so, right, we don't know this for a fact, but one of the interesting things that might change now is Windows 11 could be replaced in, like, after a normal three-year time cycle, like we used to have mm-hmm. back in the day. Um, although that didn't actually happen all that much. I mean, uh, you know, we went from seven yeah. to eight to 10 in three years, but I mean, honestly, it was up and down all over the place, but whatever, three, let's call it three years. You know, Windows 10, by virtue of the fact that it had been in the market for, you know, I don't remember anymore, six or eight years before they started to replace it, will last forever. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah, well, it's I, after saying things. this is the last version of Windows. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, that guy, I can't believe he still has a job. Anyway, so <laughs> poor, poor bastard. Um, Jerry Nixon, right? Um, anyway, uh, yes. So, yeah, I mean, we, I, just like Apple was on OS 10 for you know, forever and then suddenly it was different versions. I mean, maybe we're going to see a, a 12 or 13 or 14, whatever, I, you know. We'll have to wait and see, but. but is, you know, Leo's hitting on this point, which is that the operating system is becoming plumbing. The same way we no longer care about BIOS versions, the same way we no care about CPU microcode, like the operating system is becoming plumbing, in this, and more importantly, it means all we want from it is reliability. We don't care about new features. Just don't screw stuff up. And in new fact, they're undermining it by treating it otherwise. 
Yeah. That's right. They're, they're, if they would just get out of the way. Well, and, and you, feel you, like- you saw this with Maui, right, where they actually took a library out of Windows, the WinUI, and put it into a developer right. library SDK so that it could iterate faster than Windows could. Right, right. Well, and yeah, there's a lot of version, there's a lot of problems when you tie any developer technology to a very specific version of Windows. You know, mm-hmm. um, that whole effort to pull WinUI and other parts of the stack out from Windows and make it a separate thing that will work on all supported versions of Windows. Super smart. Yeah, Should it's also a core change ago. in mindset. I mean, <laughs> yeah, for yeah, decades, yeah. Microsoft only mm-hmm. put things into Windows. They never took things out of Windows. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's the primary difference, I think, between uh, Windows and Mac OS. You know, so at uh, what point I, does it become such a burden, you know, maintaining this legacy um, code base and, and compatibility and, uh, you know, okay, I would billions say, of lines I, so of code? I, I, don't, I don't know that there is a point. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I guess there would be. But it, when you have billions, some let's, let's call it a billion users, right? Um, you are making monthly, yearly subscription fees from these corporations and from some individuals. Like you don't, you're not getting rid of this thing, right? So I think what we're seeing today in Windows, the thing I just complained about, the search button, which is crazy, right? This that level of detail is you're getting a commensurate amount of support based on how they feel this thing is valuable. <laughs> you know that if there, there's and tied to it is what Richard was saying, which is they feel like they have to put new stuff in it because they want to be able to sell something. And they also want to help out PC makers who are probably trying to sell something who are also putting their own crap on there, by the way, to kind of differentiate from other computers. Um, you're trying to prop up an industry because maybe the feeling is if we don't do this stuff, which we all, I think we all agree is not necessary. Maybe this thing drops off a cliff faster that, what they're really doing is trying to maintain what they have as much as they can in a way that makes sense and do it in a cost-effective fashion. Because a lot of this stuff is just um, surface-level, superfluous little UIs. You know, nothing. Tr- in fact, the next thing we're going to talk about is a great example. Well, let's talk um, about, because I know if Mary Jo Foley would be here, she would be so excited <laughs> about the notion that tabs are coming to Notepad. Oh, man. Yeah. So Was this leaked accidentally? <laughs> Yeah. Well, a Microsoft employee tweeted, I believe, a photo, a screenshot uh, showing this. And the screenshot said, confidential, do not discuss. Yeah. uh, Don't discuss features that take screenshots. Don't do this. Um, (laughs) So somehow this person uh, survived multiple rounds rounds of layoffs, you know, but (laughs) he's in Jerry Nixon's department now. Yeah. Um, Okay. So. I don't remember the year, years ago, uh, Joe Belfiore got up on a stage and announced at probably build uh, a feature coming to windows 10 called sets and sets was this thing that w- they were going to update the window manager in windows to support tabs in any application, every application. So Microsoft word could have tabs. You could do control T open a new word tab and different way of navigating. Uh, that feature never arrived. You could see why and they then, thought that people would want this because uh, look at browsers. People, yep. Some, not all, well, not me, keep hundreds right. of tabs open. This is, all right, they so think guys, in terms of, you know. You're sets. the only people on earth I can have this conversation with because both of you know, <laughs> will know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. A million years ago, back in the 1990s, one of the big debates in software development, back when Windows was literally everything, it was all that mattered, was this notion of... Um, Multiple document interface and single document interface, right? Oh, my. And it was kind of based around the same idea. Like, in other words, you, you're using Word 
and you want to work in multiple documents, do you open them all in the same window and have some form of, I guess, inter-window navigation that is separate from the alt-tab navigation we have in Windows? Or do you want to have a separate window for each document? And Microsoft was so enamored of this uh, MDI thing, uh, yeah, MDI, that they, in Visual Studio with MFC, created a, a very, actually, the only easy thing you could do in Visual, Studio, in Visual C++, rather, was create MDI applications. Like, they, they had, like, a template for it. You mm-hmm. would have multiple sub-windows. You could have an about box. It was all very very formal. You could always tell when it was Dockability. Yep. You know, split screen, now, all of those. Yeah, this was pre-tabs. You mean, you mean right? loop? Uh, hold on. So <laughs> actually, this that ties in in a way. Yes. Um, but you could, in the frame of a window, have floating windows that each recommended uh, that each represented a document. They could be full window size as well, right? And then you could use some kind of a window menu or something to switch between them. However, you did it. Um, but of course, the web, when the web browser came around and, and uh, started this concept of tabs, and also a navigation scheme where it's like control tab, right? You can see where they got to that uh, to switch between them. There's an interesting thing going on there, right? Because you could call a, a browser sort of an MDI application. Some people call it like a tab-based uh, interface, like a TBI or whatever it is. Um, it, it's nav- you, you still have to deal with the fact that you have multiple documents in an application window and you have to navigate to them. How do you do that? You know, Windows up until very recently, didn't support a way to alt-tab into different views inside of application windows, right? So in Windows 11, I actually can't remember if this was in Windows 10. I, it probably is. I'm sorry if I don't remember this. But um, you can, by default, the first three tabs in Edge will show up in alt-tab. And you can configure it to be five or 10 or something or all of them or none of them, however you want. So if that's how you want to navigate, you can navigate at the OS level to browser tabs. Fascinating. Um, but now we have applications because it's Windows 11, right? So back in the 1990s, the whole software world turned on its head to do this thing. To This was the biggest concern in the world. And now you move forward to Windows 11. We're talking about reduced resources and reduced level of interest and whatever. And all we can do is add tabs to individual applications one at a time and EGs. <laughs> so we have them in File Explorer. We saw how poorly they rolled that out. Now they're going to add them to Notepad. And, I, and his, my take on this is very simple. It doesn't hurt anyone who doesn't want to use it. I will never use it. Um, and it doesn't change anything. I, it, yeah. it is the epitome of a superficial change that the three people who need it for some reason will love and will be very happy, but it's a bullet point item on a list. Here's what we changed in this release, and it just doesn't change anything. The idea uh, is it, you want to work, you want to somehow group like yeah. things. And you want, documents, it's the easiest way. Documents, okay. right? Yeah. Like like web like web tabs or web browser tabs are individual web documents, right? They're documents, right? But we also um, have workspaces which I do use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a real power user feature, though. Yeah. But they, by the way, there's another level of navigation, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, how do you switch to a different workspace? I don't mean literally. Right. I mean, there are keyboard shortcuts, and you obviously can use the yeah, taskbar. I, I actually, you have to turn it on. It's funny because I was setting up this uh, this new Lenovo to use, mm-hmm. and it wasn't on. And it, I guess it's a yeah. feature in 22H2 or something that you can. But anyway, you had to turn it on. But that's, see, I have Firefox, chat. 
I have a Discord window. I have a Slack window. I have copy, uh, add copy. I have a system window. I, this is how I work. So you have a different, you have one window in each. Because I like full screen. Right. Yeah. And then I have it set it up so the Windows key tab opens up this interface. Right. Um, yeah, that's kind of, I mean, uh, on other computers, you there are, I don't know if there is on Windows, there are gestures to yeah. um, to yeah. move yeah, from sure one workspace to it's the other, three fingers left, right, or something like yeah. that, or maybe four Let's fingers. See. Yeah, well, sh- yeah, yeah, something happens. <laughs> yeah, it um, works sorta. <laughs> it's yeah. confusing, but it I don't, works. I don't do that a lot. But yeah, it's got to be something. Yeah. Like I that. like that. You know there where that comes from? Behavior. I hate to tell you that comes from iPad because on an iPad you keep everything full screen. And I just got used to that, and then I use yeah, it on, on, on every operating face. system now. That one of the few smart things they've done in windows over the past few years was make the mouse and t- and touchpad and touch i guess i call it touchpad and touch-based gestures as identical as possible yeah so that if you were used to doing yeah gestures that's on good because that's muscle memory you don't you don't yeah. want to like that was actually i yeah. thought that was pretty smart you don't want to change that yeah there's the a one evil thing sweat. you find with tabs that could be really mm-hmm. problematic is that you grab a tab typically from a browser and you drag it across the screen because you, you right. want to position multiple windows. I have these big wide screens where I never want to maximize. I want right, to be able right, to right, right, side right. by side. If I drag across another uh, another browser instance, oh, it, that tab will that. snap to that yeah. browser. Oh, I know. Yeah. I've which done is that. annoying. That's so annoying. It also resizes the document. Yeah, that's that right. That's very annoying. Now, even if you drag it off, you're now in the wrong size. And, you know, that's... I mean, let's... That's actually a good point. That's not get into the ugliness of I, uh, Windows laptops, and you are using a touchpad to do what you know, to navigate to a tab, and it grabs it, yeah, and it pulls it out of the window you're in, which is not what you were looking to do. Right. Maybe I'm just clumsy, but I, this happens to me. Depending on the the touchpad, this can happen pretty frequently. You can see though what Microsoft's challenge is: is that there are as many ways of doing it, and as many preferences as there are users, practically, mm-hmm. and they want yeah, to support. You know, they seem to want to support everybody. Apple used to, on the other hand, say, no, no, no. I mean, this, this has changed somewhat over over the years. But originally, Apple was what they called monotonous. There was one and only one way to do anything. That was actually the tech, the term of there, art. There are advantages uh, to both of those schemes. I, I, you know, but but you had asked earlier, at what point does Microsoft, like, what would they, would they ever just walk away from Windows? Like, how far does it have to fall, right? And I would just say... I, I don't know that, like I said, I don't think I don't know about there there being an answer to that. But one thing I, I view the just in the, it's only been five, maybe six years since sets. Just in that short period of time, there has been a readjustment in the expectations in the Windows group because there was an engineering effort to change the window manager in Windows so that every window could have tabs, no matter what it was. It was going to be an automatic thing. No, you just got legacy terrible. apps. Yeah, though they they were working on it. Obviously, I'd love to see the final report on why they didn't do it because there were, I'm sure, very serious technical issues with it. We tested this in the Windows Insider program. People loved it. And then they took it away and never talked about it again. And then one day, well, one day, October last year, they added tabs to one app. And now they're going to add them to one more app. And they just built in apps. And you could, I'm just, what I'm saying is the engineering required, the resources you'd have to allocate, the effort of those two different things is so stark that it, just in the past, you know, we'll call it five, six years, that's how far Windows has fallen inside of Microsoft. Um, they, they were going to do some major engineering and change Windows broadly, and now they're changing built-in apps that people just, and people just aren't going to. 
well, really it, use that stuff know, too much. You may be touching on the political issue here, which is that they tried to yeah. do this broad thing and got pushed back by potentially more politically powerful groups inside of Microsoft. Oh, that, but that's, now look at okay. look at the apps they are changing. It's the ones they control. That's interesting. So actually, that's a good point. So I, I when I said I would love to see the real reason, my expectation was there was a technical issue. I think there were technical issues, but that's yeah. just as good of a reason, right? That answer would be just as interesting. That, yeah, the group that controls the, uh, you know, the Azure group that controls the internals of Windows finally said, guys, 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 you're touching code that we use in Azure. We're not doing this for Windows. Sorry. No, right. it's not that important. I would love to, I, whatever the reason is, I'd just love to know. I'd love to know. Hopefully someday we'll know. Just as an aside regarding this little tab notepad thing it's like i don't really use notepad anymore i use vs code <laughs> sure right and it has tabs right like that's it sort sure of reality yeah. yeah everything i can re recreate in notepad can be created in in yeah, vs the people code who are technical enough to want need or, or use tabs in a text editor are already using notepad plus plus or yeah that's or true. vs code VS or code. whatever it is yeah yeah notepad uh, is for you know, the what, yep. I don't. I don't want to. I don't even know who it's Joe, for. Honestly, I, it's just. <laughs> it's it's uh yeah. It's an appliance that comes yeah. with Windows that you use because yep. you didn't have anything else set up, or you yeah. just needed to. And write why shouldn't down. it be VS Code in the sense that right. most of the time yeah. you're just editing text, except now it's I colorful. Say, actually, I suppose technically speaking, file manager, file manager, file explorer might be the that's the the second tabbed them. application yeah. in Windows 11 because terminal is now part of Windows 11 and terminal supports Terminal's tabs tabbed. Huh. and it supports tabs that have different um, terminal, command line environments. Terminal is the is one application that ta Great. to me the tabs make sense because yeah. you've got something running in a tab in a pane. Right, you, you don't want to interrupt it. A different type of thing. It's not just another document. It's a it's different. An, it's a new terminal. In the, you could be like, I want a Linux terminal, I yeah. want a command prompt, I want a PowerShell. Or there's a process uh, running and you don't want to, you want to keep yep. going and you could open a tab. That's the one sure. place tabs to me make a lot of sense. And but I, I think agree. all terminals are tabbed. Well, okay. I, but, I, okay, I'm sorry. I, I, for those, because I know I'm going to hear from these people. Um, if you love and need and use File Explorer tabs or you want them in Notepad, that's great. That's great. The, the presence of tabs in File Explorer doesn't prevent me or, from using it, and it doesn't get in the yeah. way of anything. It's you don't fine. have to use it. Like, yeah. I, I don't mind that they're doing it. I'm just saying right. th this, what this is really about is um, this is a symptom of what's happening with Windows, you know, where but, back in the 90s where it was everything, my God, the engineering was like, bam, bam. It was like all, it was all over the place. Even as recently as five or six years ago, they were talking about doing something impressive with the window manager in Windows 10. I, I'm just pointing that out because they're not talking about that stuff anymore. Mm. Um, we're, we're doing little, we're doing little goofy. Th these are college interns who come in and do little side projects. Um, th this is not big engine. But if you think about it, if you wanted to add some convenience for people, adding mm. a tab is kind of the least you could do, the least obtrusive, doesn't affect Paul. Um, yeah. I can see I why they might have settled on that. Well, to be as to opposed be clear, to tiled the least, windows, the least or you could do would be would be to do nothing. <laughs> well, yeah, but <laughs> you know, the tabs easy, right. it's probably easy um, to add. It's not a hard that would thing be the to least. add, and yeah. it doesn't get in anybody's way. But if somebody wants it, that's why it's okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So actually, uh, I'm going to bring it. My face is about to light up white because I just ran Paint. So Paint <laughs> is an application. 
Paint is an application they just redid. This is a brand new app version of Paint. I mean, I'm sure the underlying code is this, the the same. It's it, I'm I always do this. I, I know this is probably not technically accurate, but I believe this to be a Win32 app that has a WinUI front end. I think that's what I'm looking at. That's how I would describe it. But it doesn't matter. This app, despite the fact that it is brand new, does not support dark mode. So I'm using my uh, computer in dark mode, and uh, it comes up stark white. It's yeah. the only mode it supports. Now, we may see a news report in the next year. They're going to add tabs to paint. That's great. Could you support dark mode first? Here's a, here's a thing you could support in paint. This is going to blow your mind. doesn't support a lot of keyboard shortcuts. I can't do Alt-F. Actually, it just worked. <laughs> Never mind. That's not true. Actually, they must have just added it. <laughs> oh, they got dark bro. mode. Woo! All right, so oh, that's very interesting. Oh, okay, works. we'll okay, rewind that. That didn't work rant. before. That's I, that's a new moment right there. Oh, no, that's brand it. new. That's I no, you don't understand. I actually use Paint all the time. That's very interesting to me. Okay, good, good. So, but this is a you know an application they redid the UI on. It's typical Windows Eleven. Just slap dash it together, get it out the door. You know the version of Notepad we have now supports dark mode. It supports all the keyboard shortcuts from before. It's basically the same app, but beautiful WinUI style UI. Um, no pa- uh, paint looks great if you like white, <laughs> you know, if you wanted to, if you're looking for like a cheap way to add a ring light to your setup, just run paint while you're doing a work call. Um, it will light up your entire face. It's, it's weird. So this is, again, I love that they had it. Now I want to go play with it. Um, I, they, uh, th- this is, these to me are symptoms they are indications of where we're at with windows. Like these are the types of things we get. We get a, a search pill on the taskbar that n- nobody knew was cut that they never, they've never even acknowledged even happened, let alone announced. You know, we get new versions of paint and notepad for some reason. Paint is only white. Sorry. Hope you want the brightness. Uh, and notepad's going to get tabs apparently. <laughs> so it's like, whatever. I mean, it's just, well, you know, in the, remember like, why would they have done this stuff in the past? Microsoft would have added features to windows and then they would have added to some SDK so you could add those features to your apps. You know, mm-hmm. now they're just throwing stuff out in the world. Nobody's going to nobody's going to look at Notepad and be inspired to add tabs to their app. Go look at the you know, uh, de- you know whatever the de- you know Microsoft dev site and figure out what the framework is they used and then do it to their own app because that doesn't exist. These are just like little one-off, they're like little toys. It's not the is same. It, are you saying it sounds it feels like it's the B team? Oh, we're, we're way past the B team. This it's is the intern. This is the the guy who's Summer walking intern. around with a with a, a pot of water and a like a stick is walked by a computer that no one turned off and started coding. Why does he have a you pot know? of water and a stick, Paul? I don't know. I, the janitor. I don't. Know, I can't speak. There's, <laughs> There's some image in here. He's uh, like got a broom in water, and he's the, like, oh, he's the, the chaiwala. It's like he's it's uh, like Saturday afternoon yeah. in building thirty three, and he's like, yeah. you know, I think I'm gonna. <laughs> Add tabs to a notepad okay. when no one's looking. <laughs> check it out at GitHub or whatever they use in these days. Another feature by your favorite Chaiwala, uh, tabs <laughs> in notepad. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Look, <laughs> like, I, 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 again, I don't, it's fine that they're doing it. Yeah. But I mean, but it, but it's relevant to that conversation we had, which is, I think this shows, you know, when are they, would they give up on Windows today? No. They're clearly not putting a lot into it. They're just trying to reap the as many revenues as they can. Um, they're doing the minimum. And the minimum, my God, we thought we knew what the minimum was. So the minimum keeps getting less. It's also, I'm going to defend them. Wow. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this happened. No, I, I can't Leo wait to go? hear this. I'm going to defend them because you have yeah. uh, the same problem you have with smartphones. You really have a mature, very mature product. Same yeah. problem with Office. It's hard to do anything significant. At this point, to Windows, right? 
Yes. I yep. mean, can you think of a feature that... God, I think we just, just made the argument that they shouldn't touch it at all. So, yeah, of course. Yeah, maybe I mean, they shouldn't do anything. But on the other hand, they want to sell the new version. Yep. Just like Office. So, just like Quicken. You know, <laughs> Quicken has a new version every year because that's how they get... Yeah, okay, but, okay, but... But however, what do you... You know, just, balancing a checkbook hasn't changed much since 1902. Yeah, that thing gets updated for the new tax codes and the new whatever, right? Obviously, the new laws, whatever. Um, no, I, Windows is a platform. You know, as an end-user application, you know, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, those types of apps, yeah, I mean, they're mature. They shouldn't change as much, but they can change, right? Yeah. Um, so it's your, you and Richard would argue, best just leave it alone. But you know that as soon as you do that, people are going to say, Windows, oh, my God, they haven't changed I that in years. I I so, so I think what happens is you look at that 12%, you watch it go to 11, 10, 9, there's some point. Where you go, ah, yeah. oh, good. It's only 3% right. of our revenue. Stop. <laughs> but, well, okay. Right. But what do you do with it? Do you, um, you it's, it's hand it off to an open source community it's, project? No, or it's something plumbing. Like, it's infrastructure. You just you, just well, you don't just stop working on it. I mean, people, there's, there's still millions and well, billions of people using it. Yeah. Right? But, but maybe they're not aware of the fact that they're even using it. Listen, there are um, several major PC makers that all earn incredible well, amounts of true. money. That that's there's true. a whole industry, going and they on put here. pressure I mean, on Microsoft, by the way, to have a new version. That's, that's right. why Windows 11. And I think exists. that might be what they're doing. In other words, like, what's the minimum we can do to make Windows 11 appealing? And the minimum is a fresh coat of paint on the yeah. surface. I also level think the UI. volume license agreements still include. There's going to be an operating system every X many oh. years. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So they got to do I it. Think, I suspect they still have long-term contracts in place that require them interesting. to create a version of Windows. That's really yeah. Interesting. I don't. I mean, I, I don't. Right. I don't ever see it going away. I, I guess. I, I think the thing I'm worried about is I can already see how little effort is occurring in this group. And how little oversight there is and how the attention to detail is so out of whack. Um, and, you know, they're not done right. yet. <laughs> you know, it's like it could get worse. Right. And I just, I don't know. It's It gets depressing. I, I um, 12% of my, my, 12 of Microsoft, the second biggest company in the world, is mm -hmm. still a lot of revenue. Oh, no, no, yeah. absolutely. It's still absolutely. tens of billions of dollars, yeah, yeah. like to yeah. be clear. And you you know you spend a hundred million on some guy with a bucket and a stick and you're you're golden for <laughs> years to come. <laughs> you know, a whole I, team of guys with buckets and sticks, and uh, you know, life. I goes perhaps on. misspoke about the gentleman <laughs> with the bucket and the stick, but it's a charming image. <laughs> I don't know what it around means. like. Oh, no one's around. I mean, maybe. I got a bucket. I got a stick. Yeah, let me see what I can do. I mean, if monkeys could write Shakespeare, I could probably improve Notepad. <laughs> All right, I want to take a little break and continue on. It's so nice to have Richard Campbell here, Run As Radio, and uh, .NET rocks, and a lover of brown liquor, which we will soon learn about. In, uh, in love to be back. Yes, it's good to have you back. You were our last guest of 2022, our first guest of 2023. Mm. Mm -hmm. would almost be like he never left <laughs> our show today brought to you by melissa we know we love melissa we all love melissa especially you should love melissa if you are a business and you have customer records what business doesn't have customer records right 
if you have address information, could be suppliers, I guess, huh? Contacts. If you have that kind of data, you need Melissa, leading provider of global data quality. They add, add on to that identity verification, something they also do, address management solutions. In fact, Melissa just acquired ZipInfo, ZipInfo.com. They've been doing zip code data for Fortune 500 companies for years. So now, and it's a perfect alignment with what Melissa's been doing all along. Melissa's been doing this for years as well. Their zip code database, their software developer kits are aligned strategically with Melissa's comprehensive product suite grounded in address verification, correction, enhancement, uh, as the foundation for smart and effective business operations worldwide. So, this is ZipInfo.com portfolio. It's a perfect complement to Melissa's family of tools and services with technologies and capabilities that strengthen their position as the address experts. A reputation Melissa has honed over nearly 40 years of continuous operations serving diverse businesses globally. So now through Melissa, ZipInfo.com customers will have access to ZipInfo products plus access, good news, the full range of Melissa products. What does Melissa do? Oh, you know, there's a whole catalog, a solutions catalog of the things Melissa can do, but I'll give you a few of them. There's CAS certified, CASS certified mailers plus four postal automation tools. They have desktop or online versions for that and also developer toolkits that feature on-prem or web APIs. This is something Melissa really does well. They deliver their product in, in any way that suits your business. So you want an API so you can include it in your software? No problem. You can do that. You want it uh, online, a SaaS product? We got that. You want it on-prem? We got that. Mailers Plus 4 corrects, verifies, and standardizes U.S. and Canadian addresses to postal standards. Uh, but more than that, it removes duplicates, performs national change of address processing, NCOA, is a USPS PAVE Gold certified. That means you can use it to pre-sort bulk mail to get the maximum postal discounts. That's awesome, right? Uh, residential business delivery indicators are included. Optional geocoding adds location intelligence to support better mapping and targeted mail campaigns. You could take an address and build that in. It's just Here's the longitude and latitude. Since they've been doing this since 1985. And what's really cool about Melissa is they don't rest on their laurels. Consistently, the top, you know, in address verification, always, you know, G2 quadrant and all that mentioned, uh, consistently the best, but they don't rest. They always are improving their global intelligence solutions to help organizations unlock accurate data for more compelling customer views. That's kind of the bottom line of what they do. By the way, you should always be reassured. Melissa treats your data like gold. They can undergo continuous, independent security audits because they're absolutely committed to data security, your data being private and secure. And, of course, because of compliance requirements many of us have, they do that too. They're SOC 2, HIPAA, uh, GDPR compliant. Your data is in the best hands. The best company with the best integrations, the best information, and it's secure Make sure your customer contact data is up to date. Get started today. 1,000 records clean for free just so you can try it. See how it works. Melissa.com slash twit. M-E-L-I-S-S-A dot com slash twit. We're so glad to have their support in the new year. Uh, 
really helps us to keep Windows Weekly alive and running. Melissa.com slash twit. And you support us, by the way. It's really important when you go to that address so they know you saw it here. Melissa.com slash twit. Thank you, Melissa. On we go with the show. Uh, let's see. What's next on your uh, on your rundown of, of horror? Uh, <laughs> Google is changing the Chrome release schedule again. It was monthly, right? Yeah. Now, this is important weeks. because Chrome is uh, is the Chromium, the base code is the base for Edge. Does, right. Does this change Edge? That's the question. So, actually, they're not changing the release cadence. Like, it's still going to be on a four-week release cycle, but the stable version of the browser will be released a week earlier to a subset oh. of users on stable. They're following Microsoft's lead. Oh, no. They're going <laughs> to What are they doing? So, yeah, is Microsoft going to do this? Duh. They love doing this. <laughs> this, is, this is their favorite thing to do. Only so, Listen, we released the browser, but only some of you are going to get it. You know, sorry mm-hmm. about that. So yeah, like, this what is does early public... stable even mean? What is early stable? I <laughs> well, well, you've got Canary, no... you've got uh, Beta. Well, no, no, you got no. no they're not got... adding an early stable. You <laughs> got early stable. stable. You got late stable. You got stable stable. Yeah, no, it no? means that means some percentage of people unstable are going to oh, get. You this don't thing even a week know early. Time? Oh, so you're a guinea pig, right? This is, by the way, this is. I'm seeing more and more companies do this. Release a small amount. Mm. Apple just did this. Oh, really? They uh, and and much to their chagrin, um, they released an update to what was it? Uh, but only a small number got it. Actually, I think I you, hope you, it was to that U two album they gave out. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's the new one. They released a, they released a couple of singles because the original version was. Yeah, and then they. But what happened is the early users discovered um, showstoppers. Oh, it was to their home automation. It was to HomeKit. Okay. And uh, the u- early users found showstoppers, and so they've yanked it. Wow. I think this is something companies are going to start doing. Yeah. So, yeah, in other just words, like a lurker in our chat room says, to test it. crowdsource development and testing. So we're going to force mm-hmm. it on you. Maybe that's what the search button's all about, you know? But it also speaks to a problem with insiders, which is that they're actually careful. And so... Yeah. They don't put it on a critical piece of machinery, which means they don't use it every day. Oh, yeah, they, and right. so often insiders don't find those problems that victimizing well, regular true. users can find. That's it, true. How many yeah, times, I you mean, know, I, remember I, when I, the Kindle crashed your Kindle, the Windows sure. update? Because yeah, uh, the found, insiders they found that they, the, the day they released it to the public. What's oh, the problem? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but didn't Who plugs find it a in the Kindle inside? into a PC? What are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think boy. This, an interesting part of all of this is this, are the beta testers, are the people who sign up to test actually testing effectively? Oh, I think the answer clearly, okay, actually, let me let me divide that into two halves. I, it, for large part, no. I, mm-hmm. I think there are people who would like to be doing that, and Microsoft has rejiggered the system enough that it's become untenable for a lot of people because they're like, look, I, I joined the dev you know, a program so I could get the most advanced stuff and you're a being us and I never get anything. I, you know, I've right. kind of lost interest, you know? So I think there's that part of it, but actually there's a rich body of evidence in the feedback hub of these people submitting bugs and explaining problems and, and lots of people seeing them and Microsoft doesn't address it. Right. And, uh, and so, those things and it, go and is unseen. Because they think that's too marginal a number that, 
the sort of person who signs up for insiders is doing things the regular consumer won't do. So every time something like that happens, like the thing Leo mentioned, the Kindle um, blue screening windows, Mm -hmm. um, people can go back and say, yeah, the insiders reported this three months ago. You never did anything about it. You didn't even respond to it, you know, and it's, yeah. So it's a little bit of both. I think, um, uh, the raw numbers in the insider program, I'm sure have gone down, but at one time were quite high. They were almost 20 million people supposedly in this program, mm-hmm. but even Which back is then, problematic. I, yeah, but the engagement level is probably much lower. And it's to, yeah. to your point. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I want to be part of this. I'm a windows enthusiast, whatever, but I'm absolutely not putting this on my, uh, day to day machine. I'll look at it occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, not, there's not a lot of good feedback coming out of that. No. And, and so it was like, call the folks that aren't working hard. And, you know, try and at least narrow the list of people who are really doing the thing. Well, like but Leo I, over you're, there, you're hinting at dull. he's what's he doing? He's out of control. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> um, but the other side of this is that uh, being an insider was sort of a marquee thing. A lot of people signed up with no intent to do anything. Right. Like oh, for put sure. commitments yeah, on the beta right. testers. They wanted to put it in their little signature file or whatever. And, you know, exactly. Yeah, no, that's that for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, that's always going to be the case. But there's that uh, this notion that Microsoft supposedly got rid of like their entire internal testing team because the insiders were going to do everything. Which, yeah, I know it's just it's it's one of those things like you can cut you like oh that sounds about right you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but but then again, you know, here we are. We have got stable builds with random features being put out to people. Chrome is going to start shipping stuff randomly to some people. You know Microsoft's going to jump right on that with Edge. They love doing sure. that. Um, they might, but I wonder if there is. We aren't. We aren't seeing the evidence of a battle inside of Microsoft where right. people aren't believing the insiders where they have the problem. It's like, well, that's a marginal problem. Regular people never encounter it. Like they're undermining their own data sets. And yeah. some folks are like, we should just be testing against the consumer, like, and they're doing it right it's to create data points. If you say, Here's proof. I tested this against the consumer. Everything was great. I don't like that however if if they were going to do it if they are doing it i think you need to say publicly you're doing it i think you need to you can't just do it and not tell anyone (laughs) we changed the search button it's funny Mm -hmm. you know no you you gotta it's not just because i'm writing a book i mean i i it's you just don't do that to people i mean without you know let them opt out something you know yeah, except that a lot of folks, I mean, you've just seen it with Chrome. Like, that's basically what their the path they're headed on. You're going to get early stable. Yeah. I, uh, boy. I love the okay, phrase early I, stable. I, I'm that's just my gonna, favorite I, thing now. Early stable? <laughs> that's early stable. Right. <laughs> if we eliminated all the bugs, it would be stable. Um, yeah, it would be. I think. Okay. I'm just trying to, so I'm trying to rectify this in my brain. So. If they didn't do early stable, which is an excellent phrase, they would release the product to stable a week later. I, clearly, they've been finding some problems. And what they're thinking is, if we just had more eyeballs on this, we would yeah. find this thing earlier. So is this better overall? In other words, let's say you're one of the random people that gets hit by a bug because you were on early stable and you don't know that. You know, it, it just occurs. Mm-hmm. Most people don't pay attention to their browser being updated. They, you know, well, they got to put, yes tele- put telemetry on there or something so that they know, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. No, but so what I'm saying is, in other words, oh, so you're, look, you're, you're we got 300,000 computers crashing. Okay. Well, no, you're, but you're, but you're the person. Like in other words, you're a normal person. 
So you randomly got a bug that would occurred because you're an early stable. Google collects that telemetry. A bunch of people having the same bug and they fix it. And then when stable happens a week later, it's fixed. Right. If they weren't doing early stable, you would, you would now be a part of a much bigger group of people getting the same bug. The mm-hmm. same problem would still occur. So in that case, I guess you could make the argument. I'm almost being the okay volume level down. Yeah. So I, I, I guess you could justify it that way. Um, mm-hmm. But what we just described was a strategy. <laughs> and this was the oh, thing yeah. we were talking about with the search bill. I don't think this is strategy. I, I think... I think someone flipped the switch and they were like, oh, screw it. It's out in the world. We're not going to fix that now. Like, I think they're, you know, at, at some time there'll be a moment update that makes mouse over work on the search pill. If that's what they decide to go with, you know, or they'll change it again. You know, I, um, I, I documented that the layout of the file explorer application in windows 11 has gone through three iterations. There was the version that shipped in the first version of the product the version that shipped with 22H2, and then the version that shipped in the November update, <laughs> like literally 18, uh, six weeks later, they changed it a third time. I mean, so it's Effectively reasonable as a to moment. think. It, well, I had a moment. I mean, I, trust me, I had a moment. But I feel like this search button thing will fall into, will do something like that. They, they'll either keep it and fix the mouse over, or they'll just change it again. You know, and, and one month we'll start seeing a report. Oh, people are saying they got a, you know, a different thing again. Or, or I just saw, I just mentioned the keyboard shortcut thing um, in paint. Like sometimes things just appear, <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't know where they came from. Interesting. Well, and how do you know that they're there? Right. I mean, this is a battle we deal with a visual studio all the time is right. Because visual studio is so compatible since 2010 that you can keep doing exactly what you're doing in 2010 in 2022. <laughs> and so how do you even surface the new features? Like, how do you even notice right. that they're there? If you're going to right. quietly drop these capabilities, like what was the chances of you finding dark mode and paint? But if you put out oh, a dark change, mode's not in paint, but yeah, no, I see. If yeah, you put yeah, out yeah. a change uh, log for everything, would anybody read that? Would you read a change log for paint? I still feel like this has been solved. I mean, Richard knows visual studio has kind of a what's new notification thing that can come mm-hmm. up. Um, you know, Chrome OS, when you install a new version, puts up a, an application. Here's all the new features. It's kind of a cool thing. You know, Windows could do that. You reboot, you just saw, uh, install CU, whatever it is. Uh, we changed, here's a little a little uh, notification down in the corner. You want to know what's new? Click here. If you don't, don't worry about it. Just ignore it. Um, there, there are ways, you know. Um, I just had a meeting on Teams this morning with Brad. I've, I've complained about this two months ago. It keeps telling me that I can collaborate in Excel. I don't use Excel. Oh, and by the way, I'm in a meeting. What, why are you telling me that now? This is very blo- clip, very clippy of you. You're blocking the meeting. Right. Uh, like, what are you doing? I got an idea for you. Yeah. Uh, hey, 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 hey. hey. <laughs> you know. Okay. I don't know. There are ways to do it right, I guess is all I'm saying. I, 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 I think they should be able to tell people about new features. I think they should tell people about new features. And then you as the user can just decide whether or not you want to look at it, you know. Oh. But d- don't don't get there there are ways to do it right, you know. I just got a critical update for my mouse. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, Leo. I know that application very well. That's this is not gonna go well. <laughs> yep, that's the thing I used to raise the brightness on my uh, webcam today. The Dell peripheral manager. You can tell what a name, you know? Mm. 
<laughs> I'm on a Lenovo. That's uh, the funny part. <laughs> that's beautiful. Oh, that is beautiful. That's hilarious. Because oh, you're using a Dell mouse. Is that all right? I am using a Dell mouse. Okay. Which is that's probably funny. my mistake. Yeah, so just plugging that into your computer triggered the oh. software download for that application. You know what they added? Dark mode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a critical sure. update. So glad. So yeah. glad to have If critical. you flip it, does your mouse turn from white and silver to like dark gray and black? <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> okay, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt this thrilling conversation. Oh, that's just... That's, you know what? I always felt a search engine really needed... Yep. Actually, one, one of the stories uh, that I didn't get to do because we were on vacation, but I thought was was fascinating, was apparently Chat GPT is a red alarm, uh, yeah. th- a three alarm fire for Google. Like mm, Google's right. terrified that somehow AI is going to replace search. You know what? I get it, but I this could also be what I would call a slack moment for Google. Which is every once in a while you need someone to pinch you in the butt and wake you up, and then they kind of examine it and say, "Yeah, we could do this." You know, we could so, do this. So Google. Bing is adding Chat GPT, the text rumored, 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 the text-based uh, chat, uh, sentient, yep. by the way, chat. Um, sure. To uh, it'll write your login code. Uh, <laughs> so maybe this is why Google um, was all upset about it, right? Right. A new, this is a New York Times article from last week. A new wave of chatbots like ChatGPT use artificial intelligence that could reinvent or even replace the traditional internet search engine. And it's just right. this simple. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good um, illustration. Why does that York, appear to be hand drawn? It's very. Thing. It's a great yeah. illustration from the New York Times. It's also. It's it's got Latin. But yeah, um, is right. pro. I don't know if that's Laura Ipsum. It's got to be. It's got to be. It's hysterical. That's great. Now, I mean, the essential problem with this whole idea is that ChatGPT is not updated routinely. Yeah, it's from April right. 20, 21 is the latest. They, so they said they did an update honestly, in December. Oh, they did do one. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. There was a there was a time when I thought Bing actually had a pretty good strategy. And the idea there was that Google search was just pages and pages of links, you know, and those links can be artificially ordered according to the needs of Google. You don't really know that you're getting the best kind of things. And so what the Bing team said they were going to do was become like an answer engine. Like, in other words, you go to Google, you ask a question and they just say, yeah, here you go. This is the answer. We're not going to give you uh, 1100 links. We're going to Give you the answer oh, to your question. Turns out it's a guy with a stick and a bucket. Here he is. <laughs> uh, he's waiting for your query. So, Just call me. Hey, <laughs> listen, they they got three. They have three percent market share. They, they, it obviously worked out great. <laughs> so, um, actually, no, I know, no, I know, should, I know. I guys, should, I got it. We're we, going to add tabs to Bing. This is it. We should say it. there's no uh, reason other than economic that you couldn't have Chappie. GPT always up to date, just like Google is constantly yeah, have firing. GPT sitting up at the top there answering your questions and then provide those. Always links, up to date, you know? but it's expensive. Um, I remember uh, that uh, OpenAI said it's about ten times more. Each Chat GPT query costs about ten times more than a Google query. Oh. So it's it's millions Which of dollars. That seems very cheap, considering how cheap Google queries actually are. Yeah. Well, they're pennies yeah. a query, but that's you yeah. add that adds up. As you said, billions. That's here, where all the Windows profits are going, Leo. That's why they can't. It's, you're getting tab notepad, but we're going to get Chat GBT over here. So, is the rumor that they will use OpenAI's Chat GBT, or they'll have a Chat GPT like agent? 
it's going to use chat GBT. Oh, interesting. The, uh, yeah. The uh, problem with chat. Microsoft open AI, right? Like, yeah. They were heavily involved. They're, they they were one of the funders, yeah. The hmm. question is, and the real problem I see is chat GPT sometimes says with absolute confidence something completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so not what you want in your search results. Yeah. But, you know, I wonder how they're going to be able to are off too, right? Yeah, but you don't want confidently wrong search results. You really don't. I mean, Those that's the, not an upgrade. Confidently wrong. <laughs> You know, the earth is flat, it turns out. Uh That's why planes hit them when they crash. Exactly. Uh (laughs) Otherwise, they just fall right off. Yeah. If it wasn't flat, they would just go off the other side. Um, I hate this world. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, the big thing that would happen if you have G- chat GPT in the loop is not only would it give you the answer back, then you could ask for the Summarize. answer iambic pentameter. Yes, that's right. right. I want it as like, a sonnet, please. Please. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it would like, what chat GPT does very well among actually there are a number of things it does very well. <laughs> One thing it does very well is summarize a lot of text content. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember they that was a big feature. Well, this is the Word did this. thing I was talking about, yeah. right? Like in other words, that that it could be useful. Okay, absolutely. The, the great thing is if it doesn't summarize well, you have no way of knowing. Right. <laughs> but, but Professor, right. <laughs> it told me that Hamlet ended up living at the end. I don't know. What would it tell you? Wrong? I told you this. I took this test and they, the woman asked me who wrote Hamlet. Yeah. And I said, oh, I'm never going to remember that guy's name. Lynn Emanuel. <laughs> he goes, Hamlet? I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I thought you said Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and that was uh, you know that was a little bit of confidence. Well, I didn't really remember confident, name, but, confidently wrong. You know, yeah, I thought I was going in the right direction. <laughs> Manuel, you know that you know that guy, the three name guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something. I, you mean William Shakespeare? Oh, that guy. That hey, guy. I note that neither of you are in Las Vegas right now. That's true. Mm, no, is that by choice, or mm-hmm. you just couldn't get anybody Definitely. to pay your way? If somebody had offered to pay my way, I still would have stayed home. Yeah, mm, I agree. Yeah, I've missed it the last two years, uh, and I always felt like that I've, was a blessing. It's been several years for me now, I think. Um, We're talking yeah, about CES, yeah. the f- show yeah. formerly known as the Consumer Electronics Show, which is on, weirdly, right now. It started today. Yep. Huh. Well, I mean, so companies are starting to pregame it, right? So Lenovo went out some CES stuff in December. Hilarious. <laughs> and then... Um, you know, Acer, um, NVIDIA. Oh, I'm sorry. It starts it. tomorrow. It yeah. goes through the weekend. Today's like the Pepcoms and the Showstoppers and all that. Yeah. Like the, and the keynotes and all that. So it starts this tomorrow is, um, through Sunday. CS has got a problem that Google Search solved on the internet, which is that there's a lot of crap out there and you have to find the good stuff and it's hard, yeah. you know? And uh, it's often not worth it. It's actually <laughs> you know? often easier to do it without going. Right. right. You, you let the grunts uh, go out there and comb through Hall yeah. C3. And then, uh, yeah. you, you know. You- There's a lot of stupid. We're going to get to some of the stupid. But I, I wanted to, you know, for I, I'll use this as an example. I thought this was an interesting example because I hear from all of the PC makers, right? This is what we're doing. Sometimes there are pre-briefings and everything. They send me like unbelievable amounts of documentation, lots of photos and whatever. And really what we're talking about here are a bunch of new PCs, right? So as I said to Richard earlier, you won't be surprised to discover that Lenovo is going to update all of this X1 laptops, you know, 
uh, new generation. It's, you know, no surprise. Everything's going to be 13th gen Intel processors, like no surprise. Okay. Although there's something interesting tied to that we'll get to. But I was looking through Lenovo stuff earlier last month. And then again with Acer uh, this week. And uh, yep, they're updating all their computers. But the the things that are not computers, that are kind of computer adjacent, are, are uh, often the most interesting, right? So for example, Acer is going to sell something called the E-Connect, Connect, I guess, bike desk. So it's like a standing desk. It's a, beautiful, a bike built in. Right? But hold on. This Why is, are no, you out of is, breath? I'm pedaling. This is the hamster wheel you think it is. The the pedaling can power. Is it power? Yes. That's Not straight out of computer, Gilligan's but, Island. Uh, Yes. Right? This is a good idea. I mean, I'm not saying I, you know. Gilligan, get on the bike. i got to surf the net. Genius. (laughs) I think that's interesting. You know? Um, Stuff like that. I I think stuff like that. You're not pedaling fast enough for gigabit. You have to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm trying to play a game. Do I need to pedal fast? (laughs) (laughs) I I thought we sure you were going to jump all over MSI's translucent laptop case Ooh, like that was pretty now there's a product oh my goodness can you see the insides you see you see the hints of insights it's only translucent yeah i kind of i kind of like that um you know there's <laughs> been a lot of phone mods the that, cpu yeah i kind of like that uh, that's popular in phones in fact I, I would buy a smartphone that had a clear case <laughs> okay well, this is some good stuff. The, the one I saw that I will never write about was literally a gadget that will, <laughs> you bring avocados, you can't bring it to a store, you have to bring it home. Yeah, you bring the avocados home and it will tell you if they're ripe. Oh, a little too late. <laughs> oh, it's not ripe. Uh, it's damn. Like, uh, damn it, I got the damn wrong it. one. Here is. That's, uh, a, that's a device. Sure. Yeah. Something that's everybody wants. So that's not. No. What, not, what is that's, that? What? That's not. That's not good. That's not clear enough. Yeah, you want to see the Cyborg 15. And, of course, because of that, it's plastic, right? Really plastic and plastic, right? No, that's not good. You'd hope it'd be hard enough. Yeah. Like, there are some very uh, hard transparent coverings. It's just they're expensive. Isn't there uh, something called transparent aluminum? Apparently. And it's not just from Star Trek. (laughs) Because that would be if cool. It's real, you can't see it. Ooh, mm. <laughs> wow, that'd be cool. Now, you, I want to talk about the Masonite smart door because as soon as I that hit my <laughs> inbox, I laughed for hours. Now, I'm. Can I guess why you're laughing? Oh, <sighs> actually, okay, I would just tell you my uh, the guy who got me into writing, the Jehovah Witnesses would come to the door, mm-hmm. and they would ask him if you know he'd found Jesus or whatever, and he says, "Oh, you don't need to stop here. I'm a Masonite." And then they would leave. A masonite. <laughs> a masonite is a form of um, cabinet or um, like a, like a service on a like right. a like a cabinet or whatever. It's not a religion. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> and they also apparently make smart doors. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, it. There's a smart door. So, I mean, the the good part about it is so it's got a ring doorbell integrated into it. It's got the Yale lock into it okay apparently has motion sensing led lights so oh so they light up these lights light up when you get close yeah. okay and it has a, an ac connection so it's designed so that you can power it and there's a battery pack in the Wait door minute. you have to plug in the door well the door has yep. to be plugged in <laughs> okay well, and, you know, it's uh, like security and, cameras, and a battery, battery pack in the door so when you lose power you can yeah 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 it'll, it'll run for a while yeah yeah 
But my favorite feature is you need three apps to operate your door. <laughs> <laughs> well, and only two of them are on iOS. Well, yeah. it's always connected, always protected. There you and, go. Uh, okay. Yeah, so you, you need, need the Ring app. Obviously, you need, you need the like app. the Ring app or whatever that's oh, called. Oh, my God. And the AL app. And then the Empower app. The Masonite oh, app best. as well. Oh, that's so, the best. Three apps. Yeah. Uh, $6,500 MSRP. <gasps> Hey, that's absurd. Now you can buy yourself a six hundred dollar door and put the other the three components in yourself. It'd probably be cheaper. Probably yeah, cheaper. A lot cheaper. But yeah. you know, you notice all these builders uh, on the website that are going to do it. This is going to be one of the features when you go to a yeah. uh, a, a model. Well, if home. I can find somebody wants this door, yeah, I have a whole bunch of other yeah. stuff I can sell. Them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's they, they used to be. Uh, you, it was just home theater, and now it's your entire house is a playground. I call mm. it the sucker hat. When you're down in Mexico yeah. and you're on the beach, people mm. come by to sell you stuff, and there's a person yep. coming by that takes banana leaves and folds them and puts them, makes a silly looking hat. Oh, if you good. now buy and wear that hat, you are announcing to every other vendor on the beach. Yeah. Come here! I buy dumb stuff. I buy yeah. dumb You're like, stuff. Listen, just just give them a hundred dollars and keep walking. Yeah. You're like, yeah. I just I'm you know, I'm wearing a sucker hat. Come on stuff. over. So this is the sucker hat for your house. Mm-hmm. I love it. Right on the door. <laughs> um, there's a they, this is supposed to be the matter CES. This is the CES. Right. Yes, the first, right. yes. The that's why uh, Stacy Higginbotham is down there, and I've asked her to mm. to give us a report for our uh, show on but Sunday. You feel like. Matter is where 5G was a couple of years ago. It's like it's here, but but well, I'm I'm immediately really thinking here. of the XKCD gra- uh, cartoon where the guy goes, "Oh my God, there's 12 standards for this one thing. We need to fix that." And now there's 13 standards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. You know, well, there's there's Zigbee and Z-Wave. I mean, in a lot of ways, Matter is an amped up version of Zigbee. Yeah, right. Their, their underlying protocol is called yeah. Thread, and Thread is kind yeah. of Zigbee with some yeah. fixes. Yeah, but, but it's, it's got Google, Google's. It's Google's Thread, yeah. and so you got Google, you got Apple. Yeah, yeah everyone. They were all on board with Zigbee too, and it didn't work. They, yeah. Their stuff wasn't compatible. Why is this stuff going to be compatible? So you strike me, uh, Richard, is not the kind of guy whose lights turn on from a nap. Oh, definitely. All of the everything here is automated. It is. I was going to say, I think his yeah. house is probably more wired. Is than it? Interesting. Yeah, no, so I'm, a, not I'm a... fully down the home assistant path. Okay. Right? Like I'm I'm in the, and I, you know, as a conscientious human, I try not to talk to people who aren't also down that path about it because it's a great way to alienate folks in a big old hurry. Yeah, because yeah. I, I can talk about HA for hours. But, you know, the the whole need a hub thing of all of these devices is the problem because then you're you've got a command system like an Amazon device or a Google device then you're going through the hub to the actual devices which just means you can't diagnose anything and so their whole pro- approach is matter's going to get rid of the hub which is a lie because the hub's no, just still, yeah you still need hubs in fact you need yeah. a matter hub it's <laughs> what you, you need do. Um, these days a matter hub will be like in your access in, in your wi-fi access point or in, yeah. in the individual device well you might have a matter you could use an existing hub like you might have something for philips hue or yeah whatever compatible things there are so anyway yeah but yeah i, I the dream here of course i i just don't see what this changes like uh it, it's important to have a standard i don't mean it like that but i you know as far as people buying smart home products i think we've People have dabbled in it. I think for a lot of people, they bought a couple of Alexa speakers and were like, okay, I think I'm done here. Or, you know, a couple of Hue lights, a couple of whatever. Yep. And they either go, they either do what you do heavily into it, uh, smart yeah, you, shades. You, you, you cross smart. a threshold. 
right? Yep. Or that you just kind of say, well, you know. Now, I mean, I, I am at the point now where my wife was worried that we kept leaving the garage door lights on. And so I was able to say, OK, well, look, now what's going to happen is if you open any door into the garage, the lights turn on and they'll right. turn themselves off in 10 minutes. And if you t- if you move one of the doors again, it'll reset the timer to 10 minutes. again. Yeah. And so because she kept checking to see if the lights were off after five minutes, she was complaining <laughs> the lights never turn off. Yeah, there's a there's <laughs> that's a dip, that's not a white like a spouse acceptance threshold. No. It's more like a uh, you have to outthink your spouse uh, to get yeah. around that. Now that and and I observe very carefully, and you know her well enough to know she's an engineering type too. Yeah. Um, what are the features that she actually uses? She likes that she can say just turn on the Christmas lights and all the different things turn on. And yep. turn on the news is the one she likes the most. And when she walks into the kitchen, mm-hmm. says turn on the news, the news turns on. Yep. You don't have to yep, exactly right. with remotes or anything like that. I just like had a, 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 a stupid, you know, 17-ish minute conversation with my wife that started with her saying, I want to play music in the kitchen, but this says it's the sunroom and the kitchen. How do I change it to just the kitchen? That's like, oh, Stephanie, Stephanie. <laughs> Please. <laughs> one does not simply change it. <laughs> I was like, "Do you have the Sonos app on your phone?" And she's oh, like, I don't, "I'm not. I'm not." She's like, "I'm not even." I'm out. Anything it's like, like you know what? Yeah. Nobody's being hurt in the sunroom. Just leave it on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just play actually, it the, it's the solution is to move the kitchen into the sunroom, Ooh, <laughs> and you've solved it. It's probably easier yeah. than using the Sonos app. Just unplug the uh, speakers. You could do that. You know, all kinds of things. I, I can throw you one last device from CES that, as soon as I saw it, I thought Paul needs this. Like this okay. is the thing. It's from a company called Shiftall. It's called mm-hmm. the MuTalk or the Mute Talk. And okay. it is a uh, USB slash Bluetooth microphone that covers your mouth with a head. You wear, you're all wearing a head strap. <laughs> you look like a cow eating yeah. oats. That's it. And so it's so supposed sorry. to be worn <laughs> with like a VR headset. Like if you didn't look like an alien enough already. You can put this on too, but how it's not compatible with a mask. They really should make a mask version. Are there? Yeah. Oh my like, god! Yeah. Like that it doesn't look weird like at all. Food, it's like a food bag, like a, on a horse. It looks like or, a food bag for a horse. Or it also looks like a CPAP a little bit. Mm. It's like I, I like VR, but I often find myself snoring in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so strange. Oh, this so is so funny. you could talk and don't bother the household. And nobody else can hear When you're you. shouting, so, I got you, Theron, I got you. So my thinking here that is that I get on an airplane, to... I put on a pair of VR goggles and oh, yeah. the mute mask. And, now, and then see no how long before sit, I get arrested. No one will right. sit next oh. to you, though. And then there's the, the beauty of it. You know, a federal agent is ripping your mask off because the plane <laughs> exactly. made an emergency landing <laughs> because yeah. of the terrorist. Because of the alien on the plane. Yeah. It's Honey. This really company funny. needs to change the position of the T and the F in its name, and it will have it just about right. <laughs> I'll leave that as an exercise mm-hmm. for the listener. You can figure that so out. So close yourself. to being exactly oh, the right name for this company. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's so crazy. great. It's so that is crazy. <laughs> I love that. They see, and this way, why do you go to CES? Believe me, I would order if I if they were shipping, I would have ordered half a dozen of them already and sent them to various people, <laughs> including you. I've got my Christmas presents for next year. <laughs> it's coming. That's so good. You know, I I always thought it was weird that British uh, like sports announcers have a microphone that has a lip on it. Have you seen this? Yeah, and they press yeah, yeah, it to the their, their their mouth so that they're as close as possible to the microphone. 
Yeah. And I, I guess it's to avoid too much background noise. I don't know. I always thought that was really weird. You, but you know, there was one BBC audio technician yeah. that was really right. senior that if made them all use that mic. Get you all to press the microphone against your lip. <laughs> but <laughs> not too close. Not too close. So I'll put a guardrail on. There we go. We'll, we'll just oh, put a boy. half inch little piece of metal <laughs> and you just press that against your lip and you're perfect. They need the moot talk. There you go. They just the put it on. Talk. It's on. Yeah. You don't look weird at all. No. Everything's fine. Like, if you're willing to wear VR goggles, this thing's not a stretch. I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest this product doesn't make it to market. I, I think this mm. has the feel of something that's looking mm. for funding. You know? <laughs> the moot talk. Def- definitely looks like a rendering. So. But wait, there's a products page. Here's more. Oh, God. Look they make the Hari Tora X wireless space saving wireless full body tracking system. What? what? Look at those. Look at guys. these pants. Well, actually, <laughs> one of them is a human, and the other one appears to be a cartoon. What? <laughs> what is happening? This is oh, because that's the avatar you're controlling. Yeah, or whatever. this there is the go. strangest company. Here's what? Crokey, <laughs> a very well named feeling. <laughs> Wow, this is in search of problems that don't exist since 2019. This is like from Mad Magazine. In the year 2023. (laughs) But in this context, the Moo Talk just doesn't seem that odd. No, this is a weird company. The wear space, that's pretty good. A device that allows users to wear a personal space equipped with noise cancellation technology and a partitioning function that visually blocks portions of the space. Sure, I want to put a hood over my head. This is this is Zaffa Beeblebrox's danger goggles. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. It just blacks out so you don't see the world. <laughs> and here are prototype in development products. The Flip VR that lets you drink from a soda can. Drink into VR. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't. Oh, see Mutok why is in so development. Mutok is yeah. That's fine. the Pebble Feel, a small device equipped with a Peltier device that can officially heat and cool the human body from the nape of the neck. Oh, excellent. Strap that Try on. That into VR. Cook Keep, a time machine for your meals. First, you what? can put in pre-made meals or leftovers, and they will be kept cool, just like a tiny refrigerator. Oh. Later, you can remotely reheat your refrigerated cool food as hot as 90 uh, degrees. Tim Cook would go to town on this thing. What are you, combining a refrigerator <laughs> and a microwave? <laughs> wow. This is a company, Drink Shift. They think differently. A proprietary refrigerator that combines with a smartphone app to automatically detect the inventory of beer in the fridge. What? And each customer's drinking pace. Yeah, right. And then you go up to get the beer, and it's like, no, you have had way too much, buddy. <laughs> You've exceeded your allotted pace. Does it come yeah. to you? I think it's for ordering, right? It automates Automatically ordering. refills your beer so you never run out again. Oh, this project is currently suspended, it says. Uh huh. Uh, it probably That's became so sentient. It- <laughs> there goes your Christmas present. That was a good one. Yep. Wow, that is all from shit shift. I, I, all. Well, I'm sorry, what did you call net. it? Shift shiftall.net. Yeah. I love CES. I'm really glad oh, I'm not there. Actually, yeah. this is the stuff I would go for. <laughs> uh years ago I, I went I was the first time I saw water cooling for PCs was at CES and I immediately started buying parts and that's cool. Building a water cooled machine. That's cool. 
Yeah. You don't want to put actual water in there, but yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> this, I, I put actual water in it, you know. Oh, did you? Like, okay. It was like good for a treated. long set of blog posts back in the early aughts. Oh, yeah. Like, there you go. My, the leaks I didn't think I was making PC. a steampunk case, but apparently. <laughs> yeah. You I know, remember those days. Quiet. Yeah. It was yeah. very yeah. quiet. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, back yeah. in the P4 days, it was right. a machine that doesn't make noise. Right. Right. Um, is Microsoft a CES? No, they stopped having booths there years ago, right? So assuming they've done what they've done in the past, they probably have a presence and it's going to be just a little meeting room type of deal. Like they're not going to have a big, you know, they don't do a presentation or anything, but um, I bet they're offsite like in a, in an office. They, they say they're a featured exhibitor. I actually, I might've heard from them about, um, yeah, they, they they have a whole mobility play going on, but and by mobility we mean cars, right? Like, yeah, stuff. Right. But there's there is a uh, a 3D render of their booth, and it looks oh, so they, really. So this is significant. Know, they haven't had a booth in a long time. Hundred by hundred. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think starts. I heard from them, and they asked if I was coming, and I oh how I laughed. <laughs> but, <laughs> it used to be Caddy Corner from Intel, right? Yeah. Oh, but they used to be right in the front door. Remember at the whatever the main hall was. That was well, the big anything, thing. They were, in fact, I think Bill Intel keynotes, was upset about it. The Bill keynotes were the best thing about going to it. Right? Is you go to the MGM, sure. you know, big. Well, I started doing those. them. His mother was running a slide deck for him, like a like a what do you call it. A, <laughs> in later years, that's where they would show those uh, those great homemade movies and and stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's where they do all that. Uh, oh, the, 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 the goofy push me on the swing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So five, the future myth mobility is now, this is from blogs.microsoft.com, five themes to watch at CES. Transparent cars, um, a resilient supply chain is top of mind. (laughs) Okay. This is the guy with the bucket again writing this. (laughs) Okay. Oh, Lord. Frontline workers, there they are with a uh, Panasonic Tough laptop. Sure. Um, here's King Crimson in your car. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Casey Lemon. Or Casey Lemon. Lincoln Company has Microsoft Teams built into the infotainment system. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Just yeah. what we need. Teams for your car. Oh, boy. Yeah, I, I found a floor map for the Automotive West Hall. Oh, they're so in the that's car where, area. That's where yeah. they are. Oh, that's really yeah. interesting. I always enjoy the West Hall. You get kind of weird vendors over there. No, one of them is Microsoft. Yeah, and interesting. Ma- interesting. Booth. Yeah, they used to have really nice carpeting. I remember on the Microsoft booth. That's all I remember. <laughs> yeah, you go I stand there in Vegas because yeah, so, good for your feet. You you come to a, like a you you're walking and then suddenly you're you're not moving anymore because yeah. it's so plush. Mm-hmm. You know. Wow. Wow. Very interesting. I don't know if that's a that might be a newsworthy story. Microsoft's return to CES, and there it turns out they're a car company. <laughs> This year. This year. Filling the gap left by Tesla. (laughs) Uh, I see you have in the notes the Surface Laptop 2 is out of support. Yeah, curious what people think about this. So Microsoft, who makes Windows, or which makes Windows, uh, which has its own kind of support lifecycle, has announced that uh, this device, which was just four years old, is not releasing, Mm -hmm. is not getting firmware or driver updates anymore. So as of December 27th, like that's the end of support. Now, 
you still get Windows, right? You'll still get updates to Windows and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I'm just, it seems odd to me. Four years doesn't seem like a lot of years. No. Um, from Microsoft, you know, the maker of the OS. Um, but there you go. And interestingly, I, I think, yeah, my son is actually still using a Surface laptop too. Yes, and Lisa, I just asked Lisa him. does too. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's that one. It's a nice. Yeah, it's a nice look. Was this the first? Sur- no, it was the second. I can tell two. from the yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so how to support? But what, but, but, so Windows is going to be updated. It just means no BIOS updates, but also driver updates, right? I mean, that's a little. That's maybe they got it right. Maybe they, it's perfect. They don't need to update it. Okay. Just a thought. Maybe. <laughs> if I were yes. them, that'd, that'd be the marketing line it's I'd use. Perfect. It's perfect. I mean, maybe. Maybe. Does a, does a product ever, you know, Steve Gibson always famously claims he hasn't updated SpinRight since 2004. And right. uh, he famously claims, well, I don't need to. It's perfect. There are no bugs. <laughs> Well, in his case, it probably is true. No, it is true. But, you know, um, it's assembly language. Yeah. I, it, right. Um, I think that's not true of most software. And I would just say, having used yeah. a lot of Surface devices. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a small, really, it's a simple, small app that I shouldn't say this out loud. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's possible to get get right. It's not a, yeah. not well, an yeah, operating yeah, no, system a, with right. 200 yep. million yep. lines of code. It's not. That's right. Yep. It also well, doesn't similar, have a tab. It probably is 200 million right. lines of code, but yes. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah, and it doesn't work with UEFI. I mean, it's not, it's, you know, there was right. no UEFI when it was written. Right. That's why he's right. updating it. Hey, everybody, it's Leo Laporte, the founder and host of many of the uh, Twit podcasts. I don't normally talk to you about advertising, but I want to take a moment to do that right now. Uh, Our mission statement at Twit, we're dedicated to building a highly engaged community of tech enthusiasts, that's our audience, and you, I guess, since you're listening, by offering them the knowledge they need to understand and use technology in today's world. To do that, we also create partnerships with trusted brands and make important introductions between them and our audience. It's how we finance our podcasts, but it's also, and our audience tells us this all the time, a part of the service we offer, it's a valued bit of information for our audience members. They want to know about great brands like yours. So can we help you by introducing you to our highly qualified audience? And boy, you get a lot with advertising on the Twit Podcasts. Partnering with Twit means you're going to get, if I may say so humbly, the gold standard in podcast advertising. And we throw in a lot of valuable services. You get a full-service continuity team supporting everything from copywriting to graphic design. I don't think anybody else does this or does this as well as we do. You get ads that are embedded in our content that are unique every time. I read them. Our hosts read them. We always over-deliver on impressions. And frankly... We're here to talk about your product. So we really give our listeners a great introduction to what you offer. We've got onboarding services, ad tech with pod sites that's free for direct clients. We give you a lot of reporting so you know who saw your advertisement. You'll even know how many responded by going to your website. 
We'll also give you courtesy commercials that you can share across social media and landing pages. We think these are really valuable. People like me and our other hosts talking about your product sincerely uh, and informationally. Those are incredibly valuable. You also get other free goodies, mentions in our weekly newsletter that's sent out to thousands of fans. We give bonus ads. Uh, to people who buy a significant amount of advertising, you'll get social media promotion too. But let me tell you, we are looking for an advertising partner that's going to be with us long term. Visit twit.tv slash advertise. Check out our partner testimonials. Tim Broom, founder of IT Pro TV. They started IT Pro TV in 2013, immediately started advertising with us and grew that company to a, a really amazing success, hundreds of thousands of ongoing customers. They've been on our network for more than 10 years, and they say, and I'll quote Tim, we would not be where we are today without the Twit Network. That's just one example. Mark McCrary, who's the CEO of Authentic, uh, he was actually uh, one of the first people to buy ads on our network. He's been with us for 16 years. He said, and I'm quoting, The feedback from many advertisers over those 16 years across a range of product categories is that if ads and podcasts are going to work for a brand, they're going to work on Twitch shows. I'm proud to say that the ads we do over-deliver, they work really well because they're honest. They have integrity. Our audience trusts us, and we say, this is a great product. They believe it. They listen. Our listeners are highly intelligent. They're heavily engaged. They're tech-savvy. They're dedicated to our network, and that's partly because we only work with high-integrity partners that we have thoroughly and personally vetted. I approve every single advertiser on the network. If you're ready to elevate your brand and you've got a great product, I want you to reach out to us. Advertise at twit.tv. So I want you to break out of the advertising norm, grow your brand with host-read, authentic ads on twit.tv visit twit.tv slash advertise for more details or email us advertise at twit.tv if you're ready to launch your campaign now uh all right let's talk about uh stack overflow and the 2022 survey this is of interest to developers primarily i think yes yeah but it's Mm -hmm. interesting to me how much microsoft appears in this list right Uh, or these lists i guess because there are lots of lists (laughs) so um, Windows is the most is the biggest developer platform. Sixty two point three three percent of respondents using it for personal use, and forty eight point eight two percent for work. Uh, Linux was number two at forty percent in both of those categories, and the Mac brings up the rear thirty one and thirty three percent. So more people are using Linux. More people who are developers are using Linux both for work and for personal use than are using the Mac, hmm. which is kind of interesting, but. Fourth place, Windows subsystem for Linux. Which is kind That's of really wow. Yeah. That's fascinating to me. Um, and then you know, non-developer stuff like um, uh, uh, synchronous tools, right? Uh, Zoom and Microsoft Teams are basically tied for number one, with, both with fifty-six percent usage, which is kind of interesting. Uh, chat uh, Slack rather is not that far behind. Asynchronous tools. Uh, there's nothing there from Microsoft, but uh, Notion comes in, I think, in fourth place. Oh, good. Third, fourth place. Nice. We 20%. like twenty percent. Yeah. Yeah. Most popular IDE: Microsoft Visual Studio Code. Yeah. Uh, largely because it's excellent and is cross-platform, right? Seventy-five percent usage. Uh, but in number two is normal Visual Studio, which is Windows only. Uh, well, I assume it's. I assume they mean the Windows version. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about then, look at that. .dot net. 
34.5% number one Most framework. Most popular developer framework.net. <clears throat> um, I know. It's, 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 a, it's kind of amazing how often they're in here. Even something like um, ASP.net on the web framework side is not in – it's probably number five or six. But ASP.net Core and ASP.net both have – and I guess if you combine those, uh, you could put them into third place. You know, and, and on the web frame wow. side. When you combine Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code, Microsoft's got 106% of the market. Yeah. <clears throat> so so I don't, should investigate I don't, them for anything. I don't understand how that works, but okay. Well, people use, people I use, use both. both. Use both. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You use one for Notepad and the other for development. <laughs> yes, that's right. I yeah. use one for the tabs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yeah. I love this that they have all respondents, professional developers, and then they have learning to code. But Visual yeah. Studio Code wins in all three categories quite right. easily, quite handily. Yeah. You know um, what? You AWS can't argue with price. Price. I'm sorry. Where's Emacs on this, though? I don't. I, 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 yep. I'm going to. Um, oh, there it is. 4.5. It's pretty, pretty low now. Actually, there. Vim appears. Vim, Vim makes the list. Yeah, Vim beats Emacs on this. Yeah. Huh. Huh. On the. Uh, I, I'm calling Vim a, an, an IDE, IDE is a little a much. A bit of a stretch, but um, yeah. I, th- I thought it was really interesting how much of a presence Microsoft has on this list and kind of a healthy reminder that this stuff is popular. You know, I mean, obviously there's lots of stuff going on. I, I would say uh, web dev is, you know, given that JavaScript and HTML, CSS are the top two languages, we'll call them. Um, you know, web dev is kind of probably the big, big deal. And I think that I think you'll see a lot of Visual Studio Code use in that area. But then, you know, with the f- uh, web frameworks, I mean, these are all, they're all, you know, fairly famous. Node.js, React.js, jQuery, et cetera. Um, but Microsoft's in the, they're in there, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know where Blazor shows up, if ever, anywhere. I didn't, I, I don't have the original in front of me right now. But anyway, I, I I just think it's interesting how big of a presence Microsoft has in this. You know, I think a lo- if you would ask a lot of people on the outside who weren't really familiar with the developer world, you know, where do you think this is going? I think they would have pointed to a lot of other companies and technologies, but uh, this is, you know, almost what I would expect. Node number one, React number two, jQuery number yeah, the web, three. The web framework. Yeah, yeah web yeah, frameworks. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. I thought it was interesting. They call it asynchronous yeah. tools, but uh, I think, I mean, I think it's more like chat that Teams is actually in a dead heat with Zoom. With Zoom. Yeah, and both are just a few points above uh, Slack. And then it yeah, falls I think that rapidly. says a lot about the developer market. I bet a lot of these guys are essentially freelancers, and they're mm-hmm. dealing with a bunch of different customers. And you basically just use what they have, right? You know, right. whereas yeah. in house, you actually in house, I guess you'd also do the same, right? So you probably see a mix of Zoom and Teams depending on the company. The first four I'm using. Every week, yep. at least once, yep. and and even the fifth one is l- installed on the machine. WebEx, like, occasionally, yeah, yeah, yeah. WebEx comes yeah, yeah. up. Yeah, but that's you know, I'm almost never determining what chat system we're using. Right, I, it's, my, it's the custom it's based on whatever yeah. the other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yep. And I bet that's what that is. Operating systems, personal use, sixty-two percent Windows. Professional use, forty-eight percent Windows. Then Linux. 40 of 40, and then Mac OS 31 and 32. But WSL, 15%. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? In fact, crazy. if you add WSL and Windows together, I mean, that's that's pretty dominant. Which, I mean, yeah, but the only also, way you get to use WSL. That's the only way you could do it. 
I was going to say you could also <laughs> add WSL and Linux, frankly. But I mean, the, the WSL, I mean, to the average person is probably this thing that doesn't make any sense. And why is this even here? And it was probably very it, part of that work to keep Windows relevant. I actually think it plays a big role because I think developers <clears throat> play an outsized role. Yeah. No, I mean, no. if you're developing against a Linux server or a Linux box of any form, you end up having to run in the Linux desktop until Wizdle came along and suddenly said, hey, you know, you don't have to. You can keep working in Windows and do your thing and it works. The main thing is just running the bash scripts that work the same. Right. So right. Your pipeline's still the same, even if your dev machine is different. Uh, I, this is a fun uh, loved versus dreaded. Yeah, yeah. Eighty yeah. six percent yeah, of Rust, developers Rust, love Rust, Rust. Loved, and then yeah. look at used, and like Rust is probably yeah. it's probably flipped. Tiny. I think you know? it, no. yeah, it's exactly it's got a mythology around. It's a mythology. It. It's like yeah. oh, I love Rust. I want to use it. Yeah, but everyone, uh, boy, sorry, I mean, you love. Rust, I can't right? wait. I mean, can't wait to use it someday. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, and remember, this uh, is Stack Overflow, so this is a certain yeah kind of sure. user, kind of developer. Yeah. yeah. The same for Elixir. The, the usage of Elixir is quite low, and its programming style is very exotic. Um, the, so it's got a mythology. It's uh, functional, right? It's highly functional. Yeah, it's yeah, functional. Closure is up there, too, also very functional. TypeScript, yeah. also very functional. Julia, which is a great uh, language for a da- data scientist, is, mm-hmm. uh, and then Python. I mean, C Delphi, sharp, Paul, Swift, look. And Delphi. C Sharp, uh, actually mm-hmm. Kotlin, uh, Swift, and Dart are all... Run on top of each other. I yeah. Dart mm-hmm. Delphi. Jeez, Delphi didn't make sense when Borland was a thing. I don't, I don't understand know. why Delphi is so high. It's just below yeah. Python. That's bizarre. I, I think again, you're getting fond memory effects here. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's not what I use. It's what I. Right. I like the idea me. of Object Pascal, but then again, I actually write in uh, JavaScript, which yeah probably couldn't be further away. JavaScript as a should be number <laughs> yeah. one on this yeah. list for everybody. I mean, I'm sure that's the most. Well, it is. It is number one. So yeah. as far yeah. as um, actually used, yeah. Ah, there's so another another category. JavaScript. This is, is you're talking about. Yeah, how often are you using this against your will? Yes. Right. <laughs> oh, listen, everyone, all these JavaScript guys are going to need uh, mental health services later in life. I, I, I can't even. <clears throat> it's encouraging that TypeScript is is up there. Uh, people want to yeah, use. Yeah, so I'm actually I'm in the middle of using. writing a little thing about TypeScript. There, there's there's actually some blowback against uh, TypeScript in the developer community. Um, and it, it's kind of multi-level. I, it, it, it's, to me, it's very clear well, I don't know a developer, so I, I feel like TypeScript is important. But there's there you should look this up. There's a lot of people who think that TypeScript is bad and unnecessary. What? And that it doesn't really do anything uh, useful. It's a functional. Um, uh, well, kind it's of a it's a it subset of JavaScript. Typing, so. Yeah, but it's optional, right? So they to to make it compatible with JavaScript, they had to. You know, this is not Microsoft 1996, right? They're, they're embracing and extending, but they're doing it with a party hat and a smile. Like, it's uh, they're trying to be nice about it. And uh, it's got a lot of good uptick, but um, there are people who think it's too verbose, that it doesn't really add much. If you're writing, if you're writing uh, you know, you have to deal with frameworks, right? You're dealing with some kind of a framework. And <clears> some <throat> of them are TypeScript compatible, but some of them aren't. And then you run into issues with that. And um, I don't know. It To me, it, to me, it, it forces you to write, Cleaner isn't maybe the right word. Um, better code, mm. and it generates the JavaScript more maintainable. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, and it it's catches absolutely. errors at compile time rather than running it on a web yeah. server and being like, "Oh, great!" You know, 
Uh, Richard, you mostly... The same has been the Angular team, right? That the ang- Angular got to a point where they're like, they, mm-hmm. that they, in, they brought TypeScript into the equation because they needed to make it more maintainable. Yeah, so that was it, it, it's anyway. like JavaScript at scale, basically. Like, um, yeah, we're not writing cute little apps. We're writing, you know, gigantic web services here. Stuff that needs uh, to work and needs yep. to be reliable. Yeah. And it does work server and client side. So mm-hmm. the number one paying language, mm-hmm. Clojure. Huh? Interesting. <laughs> well, because it's, you know. <laughs> Wasn't that like an eighties dance? No, closure <laughs> closure is a nice. is a Lisp that compiles down to Java. So use the JVM, mm-hmm. and it's a nice Lisp. It's a it's a little opinionated, but it's nice. I noticed that functional is very high. Closure, Erlang, yeah, F sharp, yeah. Lisp, all functional languages, and the yeah. highest paid. But that may have more to do with the the dearth of developers. The, well, the uh, yeah the esoteric nature yeah. of it, and yeah. yeah. Because, hmm. I mean, I bet you there's a lot of JavaScript programmers out there. They all go to those boot camps. Sure. And that's why you're only going to get 65 k a year, buddy. Hey, if you're only going to make that much, you might as well just use VBA. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, COBOL, uh, COBOL salaries have gone up, jumped significantly. 50%. Sure. It's that Y22K thing. <laughs> no. More, you're running out of them and you still have dependencies on them. So That's them right. Not retire. That's right. No. Same uh, for assembly language. Wow. Uh, Swift and Lisp are going up too. Objective C. Do you it's mostly use C Sharp, Richard? Because of. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny. Up. I just went and looked at my GitHub review, like what did I do last year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And C Sharp came third oh. after JavaScript and Python. Yeah. Which wow. again, I mean, I'm not doing any production code. Goodness knows I wouldn't use my own code. Uh, but <laughs> the stuff that I end up writing for whatever I need, it ends up yeah. as the language you end up being in. But, you know. That kind of makes sense. Python, language isn't the issue, right? Python's quick to code, quick to prototype. Exactly. You know what it is? I'm smashing data. And I yeah. often smash data with Python because I'm, yeah. I'm good at it. It's quick. It doesn't right. take very long to munge, you know, a multi-gigabyte file and right. get get results out of it. You should look at Julia. I really like Julia. The yeah, only thing I don't I, like I've about Julia is arrays start with zero, uh, with one, not zero, which is, oh, that's, I can't, it's like, I can't, I can't stand it. <laughs> I mean, it starts with one base 11 element, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and everything, I mean, talk about one-off errors. I would have, I mean, I did some, I did some coding in it and I like it. And VS Code has very good support for it. And <clears throat> it's a nice little language. It's actually a, a it might be it might be my second choice, but um, the reason I don't use Python is because I can't. Another thing I can't stand is the idea of white space being significant. It's like right, dude. Well, welcome to Yaml land. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know. I like parentheses. That's all I got. Lots of parentheses. How do you feel about um, semicolons? <laughs> no, semicolons? no, there's no semicolons in my world. Blockchain. How do how do people feel about blockchain? Not so good. Not so good. <laughs> yep. Not so good. Only 11% very favorable. 21% favorable. 26% indifferent. 15% unfavorable. 16% very unfavorable. I, unsure and indifferent seems similar to me. I, yeah, <laughs> but, I'm not, you know, this is, you yeah. got to take this with a grain of sure. salt. Hey, as long as you're doing surveys, forget, 
Forget uh, doing the the, uh, the Stack Exchange, Stack Overflow mm-hmm. uh, survey. Do the Twit survey. This is where you're going to get your real payoff here. We're doing we do this every month, uh, every year rather, in the first year, month of the year, January. We're doing it again. It's a chance for us to get to know you better, understand what kinds of content you like, what shows you like. And I'll be frank, it also helps us sell to advertisers because we don't track you otherwise. We can't. It's RSS. So uh, we do the surveys so we can say, you know, when an advertiser says, well, who listens? We can say, well, it's, you know, it's this and this and this and this. And so it's very useful. We do not ever gather individual information about you. Uh, don't worry about that. We we get your email. I think uh, I'm not sure why we do that. Probably to eliminate dupes. Uh, mo- but what the whole idea is to get this aggregate of the audience as a whole. It shouldn't take more than a few minutes. It's completely optional, of course. But I would appreciate it if you do it. Go to twit.tv/survey23 for our 2020 2023 uh, survey, uh, which will be open. Uh, normally, we we don't give you a deadline but i guess they decided this year be good to say uh through the month of january so take it as soon as you can but you have till january 31st twit.tv slash survey thank you for letting me interrupt with that uh and we go on with the show do you have like a golang section of the survey golang last year (laughs) in a in a people feel in an error on the factory floor they left linux out as the operating system choices and we heard (laughs) about that (laughs) there was some noise we heard about that so linux is my master plan has been unveiled yeah Uh, i think you know the 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 amount of dot net developers these days that are deploying to linux is stunning oh yeah working in the modern version of dot net and the bottom line is it costs less Right. Same yeah. app running in an app service in a Linux context. Isn't that Slack. interesting? Yeah. yeah. Do you develop differently for Linux than you <laughs> yeah. would uh, for a, a Windows server or? A... I'm not really. No. If you're doing web dev. It's cross platform. Right? And services right? dev. Yeah. yeah. For the most part. Yeah. It, it's it's the client stuff that's not. Right. Okay. And also. Right. You well, know, you're not certain... developing client software for Linux. You no, assume your client's all. using Windows. Yeah, yeah. For the most part. Yeah. But mostly they're using phones, right? They're using iOS and wow. Android. Wow, like apps. That's reality. Right. So yeah, yeah, an app. Works. Well, not even apps. So at Microsoft you know, is getting on the phone in the same way they're getting on automotive, which is as a backend service. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. PWAs, which have uh, had kind of weak take uh, uptake in uh, consumer space, are doing all right in the enterprise space. Oh, absolutely. Interesting. Because you get rid of. I don't need to go through the flipping store. Oh, oh yeah. I get rid of that problem. Well, right? you know, yeah. I still got so, the icon. I, Right. I agree that PWAs have not grown as fast as maybe some expected. But on the other hand, I think they're deployed often through stores. You know, so you get things like uh, ClipChamp or Spotify. You don't know that it's a PWA. Yeah. They're they're, they're it's an Electron app. Yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, but ele- yep. to me, Electron is not PWA. It's heavy. But it's not really. It, it's it, comes, it's it's like P- it comes with it's a browser PWA attached. dump truck is what yeah. it is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> services. But we don't need services. We've got a browser. Yeah, I mean, in the end, most people—the only thing people do with PWAs are creating a manifest so they have an icon. Yeah, you know, right. Yeah. It's just a way to give people an icon that leads to a web page that looks right. Yep. Oh, okay. So it's really a web page wrapper for most of these guys. Yeah, basically. I mean, yeah. really, what you do, do they have any really offline tell the browser to run differently? You right? can That's have it, but you don't have to to 
Because I know you can have people offline, do, but if people don't do that, oh, that's interesting. People don't do it, so they're not using the service workers or any of that stuff. Because figuring out how to make offline work work well mm-hmm. is hard. What's easier mm-hmm. is just presuming you always have a connection mm-hmm. and letting it fail. That's right, and you're almost always that's right. Exactly right. Except for the you're almost always there are right. simple little yeah. things you could do. You know, you could uh, support native notifications no matter which platform yeah. you're on. That stuff's easy. Well, and um, the most important the reason they don't bother with the offline stuff is those guys can't complain. Because they're offline. Yeah. <laughs> we'd, we'd give you a complaint form, but we can't. <laughs> we can't get to you. It's like when I, uh, I, I had to call T-Mobile for them to switch my, switch my eSIM over because they, right now they don't let you do it self-service. And uh, in the middle of the phone call, the call dropped because they switched the eSIM over. <laughs> Your phone is not going to work it's right like, now. It's like, wow. and I'm like, uh, I'm like, I guess it right. worked. But to their credit, by the way, they did call me back on the new phone. <laughs> well, a little warning might have been nice. Yeah, right in the middle of the call, it just dropped, and I'm like, oh, here we go. <sighs> no, they they, they did it worked. It was. Fun. Let's talk Xbox, Paul's favorite yes. segment. Okay. Well, Leo, oh, I don't know if you caught wind of this little story, but um, this week on Tuesday, yesterday, there was a pretrial hearing, and previous to that, Microsoft responded officially to the FTC complaint, point by point. That's what you have to do. And uh, I read it. I wrote a story about it, and I thought, this is over. And then, uh, New Year, I don't know if it was over Christmas. I guess it was between Christmas and New Year's. All of a sudden, the looky-loo started reading this thing, and you started seeing articles like this. Microsoft professes not to know when Call of Duty was first released. How could Microsoft, the company that's going to spend $69 billion on Activision? Recall. So here's the thing, guys. Let's step back from the, um, you know, the, the, the lectern there. Um, they have to do this, guy. You, you, can't, you can't admit to anything in a legal document. Right. right. It opens you up to further avenues of attack. Um, yeah. All you have to do is say, we don't know. You know, you don't have, it doesn't matter if it's easily Googleable. It's It's not a matter of corporate memory um it is the most nonsense part of it there's a i don't know how many hundreds of points they had to go through we agree that microsoft is a corporation that was established in 1976 as alleged by the ftc that kind of stuff you you, <laughs> right. you have to yeah there's some pro forma stuff there's a, exactly but That's here is, is a smoking gun that uh yes yeah, cleverly gun. came out right before christmas day Microsoft says three future Bethesda games will be Xbox exclusive. Right. So what? <laughs> yeah. And like, so what? But this so, is, of course, the FTC's fear with the Activision Blizzard deal. Is all right. That- let's look at actual numbers. What percentage of Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft games are exclusive to their consoles? Yeah, probably. Platforms? Yeah. Huge. As of last year. Yeah. My, yeah. Sony, 50%. Nintendo, 40%. Yeah. Microsoft, 10%. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So the, the, it, the point is that they shouldn't the be allowed to do this, right? <laughs> the point is they should be able to decide whether to do this or not based on market conditions. They've already if, – look, if your deal is I don't want Microsoft to get this company because they're going to keep everything Xbox exclusive, you can build legally binding agreements into a mm-hmm. consent decree that will ensure that whatever it is, Call of Duty will appear on uh, the PlayStation for 10 years or whatever it is you want. You could just do that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. The, the three games that you're talking about – I, this I don't think this disenfranchised anybody. <laughs> there was nobody like what? I've been waiting for three years for this game. You know, I don't think that's this is these are not big games. You know, this is not a big big deal. Well, they're kind of new games, right? Like yeah, 
Yeah, right. I'm sorry. Yeah, but they're not existing franchises that are. Uh, you know, I mean, Elder Scrolls. Elder has been Scrolls a is a franchise. Elder Starfield, Scrolls Elder Scrolls Six, and Indiana Jones, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, this is their right. And by the way, if if this market worked correctly, you would be able to get Xbox Game Pass on any of those other consoles and play those games. Mm. Right? Are we really worried? What are we worried about here? Are we worried about protecting Sony? Or are we worried about consumers not getting access to games? Because right now we have two dominant parties in this industry that are restricting the access to their games to their own consoles. And then you have Microsoft, which by and large is not. It doesn't mean that they're not going to do it ever. It just means that don't, they're not going to do it as much. Yeah. I think they would happily be not, third in the restricted games market uh, yeah. as part of the consent decree. Right. After this is over, we'll still be in third place. What's the problem? Yeah. We're number three. Yeah. As Bobby Kotick said in a statement yeah, to The guy, Verge, yeah, we love him. There is no sensible, legitimate reason for a transaction to be prevented from closing. Our industry has enormous competition and few barriers to entry. I might disagree with that. Mm. We've seen more devices than ever before, enabling players a wide yeah. range of choices to play games. Hey, honey, I like your skirt. Engines and tools are freely <laughs> available to... That was a startlingly accurate depiction of that man. But. Engines and tools are freely available to developers large and small. The breadth and distribu- distribution So go back up to the, um, yeah. sorry, uh, go to ahead. the forward charts or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, look at the purple ones, right? So this is Xbox share of uh, mobile gaming, right? Not such right, a nothing. big uh, share there. Nothing. That's why they're doing this. This is the acquisition. But, but wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Xbox is not mobile. Why should it have any share of mobile Because gaming? the one on the right says what it's going to look like after this acquisition uh, goes through. Okay. They're going mm-hmm. to go from 0.3% to 4%. Right. This is not going to shake the market up. I, you know, I have a question for you. Yeah. Because it's, it's still pure rumor, although it came from Mark Gurman, who is a, a well-connected mm-hmm. uh, guy at Bloomberg, that Apple right. is going to, in fact, allow third-party app stores uh, because it's going yes. to be forced to by... Uh, the right. EU, uh, at which point, and and Epic, you know, Tim Sweeney kind of went nudge, nudge, yeah, wink, wink. Yeah, yeah. yeah you'll be able to get Fortnite on villain every time yeah. something happens. By you'll the be way. able to get Fortnite on iOS yeah. this year. Yeah, so it's well. I mean, I think it's expected that Epic uh, will have yes. an app store. Microsoft finally will be able to have its app store on iOS. Yeah, the the issue is going to be what the terms are, right? Because you get this is Apple, right? Yeah, let's. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to get excited about something like oh, this? Oh yeah, but Apple. They always have slow a slow walk. It as they'll figure out a way. As I, I, Nevertheless, I, I, that's going to change this pie chart significantly. Okay. Yeah, oh, sure. I guess. I mean, I, you know, but I, I just I know there's a lot of debate around the stuff we you know, we argued about that time about um, Apple and app stores and blah blah blah, whatever. But I think that the thing we could probably all agree on is that it is in Apple's best interest to fight this as hard as they can to secure the best possible percentage yeah. on the other end, right? I think mm-hmm. that's what this is really about. I don't believe that Apple believes that what it's doing is right. I think it just knows it has to fight as much as it can so right. that when when we're done, the, the revenue share doesn't go from 30% to 3%. Yes, it goes yes. to 15% or whatever the number is. It doesn't matter. It's a negotiation is. at this point. That's mm-hmm. right. I, so well, I, 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 I think Sony and that, Nintendo are in the same boat. That's right. right. For the same reason. Although smaller, these smaller companies markets, have, uh, but, yeah, yeah, they all have incentives. Yep, this, this, once the biggest domino falls, <laughs> you know, we're going to move on to the other markets for sure. Hmm. But Apple, Google are, you know, one and one, right? So um, I, I, it is inevitable that this changes. It is 
I'm trying to say it's proper, it is right. It is as expected that Apple would do everything it can to ensure that it's as solid as it can be on the other side of it. There's no stopping this, but it's going to come down to the details, you know, the terms of the agreement and so forth. So, yeah, I I do expect this to happen sometime. It was surprising to me that it could happen as fast as maybe German was suggesting it might happen, but it's inevitable. Apple still has not confirmed that, by the way. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. That, you know. But that could be a big thing they announce at, you know, WWDC would be the obvious time. Yeah, they yeah, like, yeah, they'll exactly. present it like we're magnanimously giving away, you know, yeah. all this money because we love the industry so much, you yeah. know, whatever it is. Uh, what else is going on in the Xbox world, Paul? So there was a great, I don't know if you read this story in the New York Times, but um, there was a great story with an interview with Brad Smith. And they were talking about like, you know, how has your strategy changed since... Uh, you guys went up against the FTC and then the Justice Department back in the late 90s, you know, and he was like, it's he's like, Bob, it's like riding a bike. No, he said, <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, he, he he's actually interesting because they brought him in. Uh, Steve Ballmer hired him to solve the antitrust thing. And he came oh, in really? when he got the job. Was he's like, you mean I, back in the late 90s? Yeah. Oh, in wow. the early 2000s. Oh, 2000. Yeah. He was like, yeah, you have yeah. to compromise. And so he set that all in in place and, and did the right thing with, you know, finally, belatedly. Right. So. Um, you talk to him now and he's like, their basic strategy is Microsoft's the nice guy of big tech. Yeah. He's like, mm-hmm. we're going to work with these yeah. guys. There's a great quote somewhere. I think it's toward the bottom of the article. He's talking about a meeting he had with the uh, chair of the FTC and, uh, yeah, see if you can just find it. He basically just, he, he, he couldn't get her to agree with him, but she smiled <laughs> and he said, you know what? Ah, I'll take it. I got that the smile in the right direction. Yeah, I, got I got the, the smile. smile. That means, yeah, that means there's hope, you know? <laughs> Uh, I wonder who it was who smiled. I guarantee you it wasn't uh, Lena Khan. I think it was. Uh, I think that, really? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Just go all the way to the bottom. I think it's yeah. Right that might have been the kind of the smile of a shark about yeah, to right eat there. you. Uh, no, you had it. I think you had it right there. Uh, right at the bottom. Was uh, right. Yeah. Our team. Let's see. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Just search. For I should just search for smile. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It's it's in there. All right. S M I L. E, but in an interview this week, Mr. Smith was sanguine. That means covered in blood, by the way. She did not (laughs) take exactly. (laughs) One problems with with the English language. Sanguine can mean many things. (laughs) She did not take me up on my offer, but when I said "give peace a chance," she smiled at least a little. Maybe she was a Beatles fan or John Lennon fan. He said of Miss Con, Mrs. Con. So anytime somebody can end a meeting by smiling, even a little. There's always a little hope we can sit down together in the future and make sweet, sweet love. <laughs> well, uh, that's Bobby Kotnick, but I oh, think... Oh, yeah, right. That's, sorry. <laughs> I was channeling Bobby again. Okay. <laughs> but I think the point here is that, you know, is what we just looked at with the charts and everything, that, you know, Microsoft's argument is sound, which is like, look, when this is over, you've not created a new industry juggernaut. You've... Mm-hmm. Elevated number three a little higher, but still number three. Yeah. I think that's um, fair. Um, yeah, I do too. It, it, yeah. I, I think the whole prosecution seems a little unfair. Yeah. It's the wrong so company to posturing. go after. I get it. You know, you get you get what you get, but. but it's I, like the FTC needs to make a show of we're against this. Yes, And exactly. then Microsoft right. has to talk them down. And then, then there's some concessions yeah. made. Like, like we're going to stop monopolies. And then the you game. go after the two little girls selling like lemonade. You're like, you have a monopoly on this corner. It's like, I, we meant Google. <laughs> like, not these two people. What are you doing? Uh, I also think Lena Khan has something to prove at this point. And uh, yeah. unfortunately, Microsoft is the one that got caught in the crosshairs. But 
So far, it's just shuffling paperwork and press releases, right? Like, they're not no. actually blocking anything. It isn't costing anything. They may miss their deadline, but so what? You know, August, the main thing that's happening here is Bobby Kotlin has to wait longer for his money. Bobby Kotlin. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Kotlin is the beloved version of Bobby Kotick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Bobby Closure is the one that makes the most money. That makes um, the most money. <laughs> Uh, all right, and, be the nice guy. I think that's a good strategy. Hey, yeah. Bo- hey, Bobby Tables is the guy who ruined your database. yeah. He's ruined your, my, your SQL database. Okay. <laughs> uh, Microsoft embracing unions. Something. Uh, yeah. So Apple obviously, and Google big tech has been fighting yeah. unionization right all over the place, and Microsoft has come up publicly and said, "Look, if this is what happens, we support it. We'll you know act in best faith." They said with regards to Activision Blizzard, there's been some union talk there in certain parts of that company. We will support that, no problem. And uh, ZeniMax, which is the company that owns Bethesda, which Microsoft bought almost uh, two years ago, I guess, 18 months ago, whatever. The company before Activision Blizzard, right? Remember, they, they own id Software and the Wolfenstein games and all that. Um, there is a, I think it's like a software, like a quality assurance team, 300 people-ish. Uh, alerted Microsoft, uh, the parent company, that they were interested in starting a union. They said, yeah, we won't stand in your way. Just vote. And if that's what you vote, we'll recognize that's it. Actually, the law requires them to do that. Yeah, but Oddly you know enough. What? Oddly <laughs> enough. Yeah. Yeah. But they did it. And uh, they voted to unionize. And Microsoft says, we'll, we will engage in good faith in negotiations and work toward a collective bargaining agreement. It's so agreement, funny that so. they get credit for doing what they're supposed well, to do, law. but only yeah. because... Starbucks, the, Apple, and Google. I was going to say there are so many f- famous examples yeah. of, pe- of companies trying to undermine these efforts. Uh, Amazon, I would say, most notably. Yeah, Microsoft um, gets points for uh, not bringing in the Pickertons. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, games with gold. This is the uh, the moment we all look forward to, Richard, when uh, Paul <laughs> lists the new January uh, games with gold titles, and yeah, there are they- a whopping two. Yeah, let me take up 10 seconds of your life. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Iris Fall is available to uh, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate and Xbox Live Gold uh, members for free now uh, for the entire month. <sighs> yeah. I know. And then uh, Autonauts comes out on January 16th. Not Psychonauts. Don't get your hopes up. Autonauts. No, yeah. And again, I don't recognize either of these games. I, I, I frankly think they're starting to run out in a way. Well, obviously, they are. you said four, right? So... They literally ran out of Xbox 360 and OG Xbox games they could add to this program. They're, they're all done. And um, I was kind of hoping they were going to go to four games for Xbox One and Series X and S, but sticking with two. But, you know, what do you want if you 60 bucks a year, you cheapo? Come on. We're going to talk about that soon, actually. <laughs> it's January. Maybe it's just that January is a bad, you know, year. Oh, don't excuse it. It's been no? bad. It's been bad for a while. It's okay. just, I just, I don't know. This is not much of a perk, unfortunately. It's getting to be less. The, the, yeah. The big problem I have with this is that you don't actually own these games. So as long as you your subscription oh. is around, you oh. have access to those games. But oh, if you I didn't know that. Okay. Try, yeah, they go away. So it's like it's, Game Pass a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is yeah. Game Pass, right? It is. Well, little, is it? Yeah. Oh. No, I mean, no, in the, no, it is. It, what you're saying is correct. Yeah, it's... Uh, and, you have to, the month and the time they're available, add them to your library. And if you uh-huh. don't, they're not available later. You can't go get them later. And if you close down your subscription, they disappear. Oh. So, yeah. Well, that sucks. Yeah, it's not great. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. And there's one more FTC story. 
Yeah, so speaking of the villain from the Batman movie, um, <laughs> Mr. Freeze? <laughs> Tim Sweeney. Tim Sweeney. Um, <laughs> like, you know, Tim. Anyway, um, he, his company, Epic Games, which is embroiled in that big lawsuit with both uh, Apple and Google over their online stores, has agreed to pay a $520 million Ooh, fine related to yow. allegations that it will not admit to. Uh, that it used right. dark patterns in Fortnite, especially to trick kids into buying things they couldn't afford oh. and weren't paying for anyway. And um, what was the other one? Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, and collecting the personal information of children under the age of 13 and enabling real-time voice and text chat communications for children and teens by default. These children and teens were bullied and threatened and harassed, et cetera, et cetera, as you would expect, because if you've ever played a game online, that's what happens. That's Fortnite, um, baby. Yeah, that's why they love it. I mute the world on Xbox. That's why I just mute everybody. I don't want to listen to any of that mm. stuff. So wow. none of it's good. The FTC yeah. says. I know this is the word. I know what you're going to say. The Children and teens have been bullied, oh. threatened, harassed, and exposed yeah. to dangerous and psychologically traumatizing issues such as suicide while on Fortnite. These yep. default settings, along with Epic's role in matching children and teens with strangers to play <laughs> yeah, Fortnite. While Together. wearing a trench coat and a hat. <laughs> Armed <laughs> Listen, children and teens. I mean, the upside here is they have a really good matchmaking system now. No. So, <laughs> unfortunately. This is for, like uh, they uh, never played a game. Yeah. It's I know. Like well, but these are children. for you internet. Know, it's children. The, the issue is children. In other words, right. yeah, no, let little Bobby play Call of Duty while we're having dinner. And, he, you know, he's in there with adults and they're all doing what they do. Now, this is um, more legit. Fortnite's counterintuitive, inconsistent, and confusing button right. configuration. Yep. I have a confusing button configuration right here. I can't get the middle button. <laughs> the thing that cracks together. me up about this is back when my kids were really little, we had this weekend event where I was doing something on my computer and I got an email and it said, uh, your bill from Apple. And it was oh, like $300. Yeah. And then I got another email. It said $250. Yeah. And then another email said $150. Yikes. Like, what? Eventually it was like almost $900 worth of stuff. It's all Mark. My kids were playing some little virtual fish tank thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fish. What the fish so, one? Apple gave me all my money back. Yeah. I was a, it was a harrowing day, but uh, you know you learn. And I wrote a story called "Even a Child So Easy Even a Child Can Do It," and that was ten years ago. I mean, like the Apple fact that this to it exact, and they fixed it, but it really was yeah. a problem. It was a big thing. Well, here's the problem for Epic Games, and this is why they're, they're paying so much money. Um, they there were over one million customer complaints. And employees inside the company who kept raising this issue, and it was just ignored uh, over some period of years. Wow. So um, f- uh, they're paying, what is it, $520 million, yeah, $245 million of that yeah. is going back to refunds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, look at how much money they make. Like I know. I know. To, I can't. You know, to look at a $500 million fine and say, we're not bankrupt. It, ma- it made sense. Like, we'll pay that fine and we're still whole. You know, because and we're, we're, yeah, we're good. So much money. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, oh, and I have just been informed we do not actually ask for your email address in the survey. So there's another reason to go right sure. now to twit.tv slash survey 23. Uh, the only thing we do is we uh, 
we track the IP address so you can't do it twice or a hundred times as people on the internet might want. Uh, I just wrote I just wrote my headline, Twit tracks users who fill out survey. <laughs> Exclusive. But we don't save that information. It's just a little script that says if no, you, you sell it to advertisers. Of course we do. What are we, hey, when you want to buy a couple of thousand uh, IP addresses, numbers, we got yeah, them. Exactly. These numbers, they're hot, they're hot. They don't keep, the they don't real keep people. it. I know, I'm saying that. They don't keep it. Once the survey's closed. <laughs> they're like, Leo, seriously, you got Manage- to get this Management away. really wants me to make this clear. Yep, yep. We don't track you. And we don't want to. We don't care to. We don't need to. Just take the survey. Twit.tv slash survey23. It's harmless. Mostly harmless. Uh, all right. Uh, you know what? I would like to make a plug for uh, Club Twit. Because... Don't give me that sigh, Paul. You no, are... Family is texting, and I'm like, guys... Oh, okay. It wasn't me. <laughs> we didn't I'm buy any you. fish. What no, are you talking fight, about? I, I'm surprised you can't hear it. It's like, ding, 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 ding. Oh, ding. my daughter invariably calls me in the, you know, right about now, actually. But there's uh, a bunch of text. It's all and like... I've told her, I'm, I'm on the air, stuff. honey. I'm on the air. Is, are you in a group these, chat with the people? My family is as stupid as people can be. It's just <laughs> like, it's the middle of a work day. What? Sorry. <laughs> well, now we know Paul uh, hates everybody, including. What are you doing texting at three? <laughs> it's four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> what are you doing? Are hey, you at work? Get out of here, you dumb. So, <clears throat> sorry. Paul does a show <laughs> <laughs> called Hands on Windows. But, you know, you might say, I want that show. Sure, you would. Who wouldn't? Micah does a show called Hands on Macintosh. We do a show for Linux lovers called The Untitled Linux Show. We do Stacy's Book Club with Stacy Higabotham. And you might say, well, where are those? They're in the club. See, Club Twit members support our efforts uh, greatly with their $7 a month. That's all it costs. It's $1 less than a blue check on Twitter, and you get so much more. Ad-free versions of all of the shows. You get uh, the special shows we do only for the club, and there are quite a few of them. The Giz Fizz is one of them. Uh, you also get stuff before and after the shows that don't make it into the podcasts. And I think probably, in my opinion, the greatest benefit is our wonderful Club Twit Discord. Paul's in there many. In fact, Richard, I'd be glad to send you a membership. Oh, right. so oh I didn't know. Oh, I have the new. See, this is what happens. I, put, I set up a new computer. I always yeah. forget Discord. You got to put Discord on there. Club Twit's great. We got three events uh, in this in the books. The book club is uh, January twelfth next week uh, on a Thursday. The following week, Lisa and I will do our Inside Twit show, which Mm -hmm. is uh, a great a great favorite of all of us. See, Lisa and uh, my marriage dissolve into tears uh, right before your very eyes. It's so much fun. And Wintu Dow, who is one of the hosts of All About Android, has a fireside chat in the ninth. And there's much more coming thanks to our Club Twit uh, manager, community manager, uh, Aunt Pruitt, who puts all this stuff together. You get all these great uh, groups, not only chat about all of our shows, but about subjects nerds love, anime to autos to beer to comics. I hang out in the coding section where we go back and forth over uh, abstruse topics. Mm. <laughs> Very fun stuff. Uh, breadboard prototyping, which sounds delicious, but isn't. Uh, things like that. There's movies. There's all kinds of stuff. There's a makers section, show and tell, a let's play section, where uh, you can be in our uh, our Minecraft. Join our Minecraft server servers, plural. We've got a really tough survival server. There's all sorts of stuff. This is all for seven 
smackers a month. That's it. Go to twit.tv slash club twit. Uh, and you will also get hands on windows. Paul does that every week with lots of great stuff. We occasionally, as a tease for non club members, put out hands on windows and hands on Macintosh on uh, on YouTube, so you can see it there and get an idea of what a great job Paul does on that show. When he's not hating on his family, Paul is the king of Windows tips. <laughs> okay, club twit twit.tv slash club. Call the show just the tips. Just the tips. <laughs> Hey, that's a nice skirt you're wearing there. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, there's something about this show brings out the worst in me. Off we go with our tips, our picks, and our bourbon of the week. We'll yeah. start with the Paul Thorat's tip of the so week. So I got to ask you a question. So my, my tip of the week is is kind of this debate around whether people should dump Blast Pass. I will point you to uh, yesterday's Gibson, Security right? Now. Yeah, I've had multiple people tell me. That what Steve Gibson said basically was that, from a technical perspective, I think there's no reason to leave LastPass. Is that right? Uh, no, you haven't heard the latest from Steve Gibson. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. So he was, you know, he was saying, uh, you know, LastPass, like virtually all password managers, does yeah. basically the right thing. That's an encrypted blob. You're, yep. oh, see, mm-hmm. my my daughter's calling. Did I tell oh, that you? Must be, if that's yeah. my um, stepmother, would you tell her? <laughs> She's probably she in the same group. Again? She's probably in the same group. Yep. Wow. It's time. <laughs> Honey, I'm on the air. Uh, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, LastPass. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that blob. So, look, LastPass, somebody in the chat room said, you had one job, mm-hmm. which was to keep that vault out of the hands of bad guys, right? You're storing the vaults right. for all of us. They did the right thing. They encrypted it. But. And they were slow to reveal this, which is another problem. Mm-hmm. Those vaults got exfiltrated by yeah, a bad that's guy. My, right. Exactly. What they have not told us, and this annoys me, and I think this is another reason to be angry, is they haven't been completely forthcoming. They've, they, they, they dragged their feet. They finally told us, yeah, they got the vaults right before Christmas. Again, the best time to bury a story. Uh, did not yep. get buried. But what they didn't tell us is, well, they got a backup of my vault, but a backup from when? Uh, is it an older backup with a poor... That, I know, they were so vague about They were very that. vague. Yeah. Uh, the implication that I read was that there are different vaults with different levels of encryption based on when your account was created. Precisely. Yeah, and depending that's, on the, like, so they you use, know nothing, I think. They, you know nothing. They use PBKDF2, uh, and that slows down brute forcing if you use enough iterations. But in the early days, LastPass used 5,000, which is completely insufficient uh, with today's modern uh, brute force attackers using GPU and so forth, which presumably whoever owns has these vaults now is is banging on them. Uh, so you may have a vault, an older vault that doesn't have a high enough uh, iteration. They upped it to one hundred thousand and one uh, some years ago, but it wasn't automatic for everybody. So you may yeah. even uh, you know if you have a, a few years old. So if account, you go to the website now, it will try to upgrade you. I've never had it successfully work. I've, I've been also, doing it for the. Too late. Yeah, uh, you know, you could change now. your master password. Doesn't matter. The vault that linked had the yeah, old yeah, master yeah, password. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, if you had two factor, doesn't help because two factor is not used in encrypting the vault. So, Steve's last episode yesterday, and I'll just give you a hint, Paul. The uh, title was "Leaving LastPass." <laughs> okay, uh, easy to find. And and your point, which you make in the show notes, is it's not a matter of 
you know, technically, yeah. well, is it secure or not? It's a matter of trust. Right. I think the way they handled this was bad. I guess the question, I, 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 Rich and I were talking earlier, I think I referred to it as a knee-jerk, knee-jerk reaction. He's like, well, it's not really knee-jerk, <laughs> but, you know, fair enough. I it's mean, a little I, bit of it. No, it's a little yeah, bit I, like, well, screw yeah. them. There's a lot of work, right? I mean, by the way, oh, even if you're staying with LastPass, there's a lot of work you should, you maybe yeah. should be doing. And I would say also uh, for most people, you're fine. And yeah. for mo- I mean, and for most people, any password manager, even a, a not so good one, is much better than no password manager. But yeah. if, for instance, you used your master password anywhere else, uh oh, I know, trouble. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, in which I case, still had a Windows phone registered in my last pass account. That's how long it's oh, yeah. been. Oh yeah, why I ever take a password out? Yeah. Well, no, and, I, I, and that's one of the things I do with LastPass is I do go through sorted by last login and, del- and oh, get rid so of smart. old accounts and things. That's very oh, smart. Because well, you know, those, just, those passwords are probably encrypted with PBKDF2 poorly. poorly. Yeah. So you're right. Right, right. right to do that. And it's not, I would move off of LastPass. I've been in it for years. It, the problem is the wife. I finally yeah, got her yeah. using it in, exactly. a, in the family's configuration. We exactly. have a, sh- same, a shared pool. Like yeah. like, it's not me. I'll do it. I, I I would even find I that a reasonably that entertaining Sunday afternoon. A, a two room Sonos zone. She's not going to be able to handle this. Yeah. You no. know, like, <laughs> this is um, put her on the sun porch and say, "Honey, you can't get out until you change your password manager." Yeah. But uh, and it's important to mention. I mean, so Steve did move. He moved to our sponsor Bitwarden. He but he but he mentioned last one password also good Dashlane also good. Yeah. There are plenty That's of good what I choices. Hear is one password's the big one. It's the second largest. It might even be a little bigger yeah. than LastPass. I mean, the big one I hear from people like this. Is I like Bitwarden because it's so, not because they're a sponsor. Yeah. I used them before then because mm-hmm. they're open source, which is a, and you can host your own vault if you decide you don't want that's to right. put your vault in yep. a big pile of other people's that's, vaults. And that's actually of interest, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think Bitwarden, but the problem is. Yeah, you got a, a week's work because you got to go change all those passwords because they are now potentially. You know what? Okay, I, I, listen. Maybe this is a good thing, and I, I you know, I, I mean that in a kind of roundabout way because this is maybe work that people should have been doing all along and don't, and maybe mm-hmm. this is the push we need. Oh, that's a good point. To start changing some passwords and and get rid of old things that are no longer relevant. Who ever, you ever just look at your list of passwords? It's every, it's like looking at email. You're like, oh, okay, later, later, later. Yeah, I don't you know, want to deal with Maybe this it. was yeah. the push we needed to get the cleaning done. Well, and the big with, thing I found when I started going through the passwords I needed to change, I went after the important ones, right? That's the right. bank accounts and things like that. They were all yep. 2FA'd. Right. And, and that's every one second, of them I realized. That does protect done. you, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I changed the password anyway, because yeah. why wouldn't you? You're already there. And you use, because like, oh, uh, well, you, uh, you pay for LastPass, right? So you I use do, a FIDO family. key. Yeah. And I, yeah, I also use a, a FIDO key, which doesn't help, right? That's just scenario. another kind of 2FA. I use yeah, my YubiKey. It, it is, I use my YubiKey. Yeah, yeah, no, I got mine right here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, the real problem here is it's got nothing to do with the stolen vaults, right? It only yeah. could, controls yes. my access to yes. my vault myself. In through their interface, there were some things that they did yeah. poorly. In it could have done better. Bitwarden, one password, and others encrypt mm-hmm. the names of the sites you have passwords for. Mm-hmm. Apparently, right. LastPass did not. Yeah, right. Uh, which That's means right. the bad guys at the very least got a list of pa- a sites you visit, uh, yep. and you have passwords. That's just good information. That's useful. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's and I should also say I've only heard one report from somebody who thinks perhaps their vault was compromised. 
Um, okay. And they don't have any proof. And these it's are not people, been, well, but they don't. They probably aren't protected. Well, we don't know. Not using, but there yeah. hasn't been. There haven't been a thousand people saying, "Oh my God." Yeah. Uh, my bank account was just hacked, and the only place the password was stored was LastPass. Haven't heard that yet. So it may be now. What does what does that mean? It means maybe the person who stole it is selling it yeah. on the dark web and hasn't found mm-hmm. a buyer yet, and so it. But it, still I don't know anybody would buy that. Thing. It's, it's yeah. just so brute force. Right? Yeah, it's, but if yeah, you know, if you were into that kind of thing, I you, just it sold also all those the inform- GPUs. I now I can't do a brute right. force. That's right. All and the other point is that uh, your name is in the clear. So mm-hmm. if I say, look, you know, I really want, uh, I don't know, um, Jennifer Lawrence's uh, passwords, yeah. um, I can find her last pass fall, and I can say that's the one I want to get into and right. and put all that brute force on that one vault. Eh, maybe that's valuable to somebody. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, but last pass, it didn't even say when the vaults were exfiltrated. They aren't well, clear the if it's, it was all the vaults right. or a was subset. Was it August? Was it November? Right. Was it, I mean, this is what I'm talking I, about. This is the trust I thing. Still I still don't know that they know, this, right? They may not know. Well, that, they okay, know. okay. Then maybe it is a technical issue because if they don't know, then that's a problem too. It's, it's oh, been several totally. months. You know? Yeah. And the question is, is it better to say we don't know than it is to say, <laughs> they're, in my opinion, what it looks like. And by the way, I love, I, we, they were a, a sponsor for years. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we rec- I feel a little guilty because we yeah, I think no, I, got I've thousands of people that use LastPass. Oh, yeah. uh, Steve recommended it. We, 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 they were studio sponsors in 2020, um, but they've gone through a couple of ownership changes. Um, right. They're not the same people we dealt Which, with. Which, by the way, I think a lot of people don't know. Um, they're owned yeah. by GoTo now. No, and they're not. That, oh, they're not. So they were bought Wait, by what? the LogMeIn folks. Did that just happen? Yeah, yeah. A while ago. They were bought by the LogMeIn folks who then sold it off last year to an equity uh, capital company. Oh, who geez. has then... Which is, by the way, the worst thing can happen to any any company, right? You you know, as soon as the equity they, capital, they also own the music of Fleetwood Mac or something. Yeah, what, yeah. Is, what is? As what soon is as they buy that, they try to start making the debt back. Yeah, by selling right. pieces off and doing stuff, and perhaps even saying to the executives, uh, "It's a, by the way, it's all new executives as well." Uh, you know, really got to cut the cost here. Maybe could you not salt and hash? Does that uh, does that make a difference? Jeez. And. Uh, <laughs> And so, and then they spun it out. So it's now an independent company spun off oh. of Log Me In, which was bought by Equity Capital. So huh. it's gone through different hands over the I last year. That, how, how many skilled people were shaken off in those exactly. shuffles? Exactly. Whose options were messed with, whose yeah. share buyouts yeah. were played with, like all of those sort of things. Like, you know what? I'm well, just going to. There's only so many of us. At least that will never happen to Twitter. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know what's great about that is we now have a kind of like a a transparent view of what happens to a company when uh, equity capital Mm -hmm. or somebody who's trying to make back the debt buys it. They take the toilet paper out. The chain of dollars is amazing, right? Like Log Me In got it for a hundred million dollars, and they and then Francesco Partners got it for four billion. Like, did it really become 40 times more valuable? Really? I, Can I, by the way, Maybe one of the reasons the they got the so much is because they advertised for several years. They've told us this. They said, thank mm-hmm. you. It really helped us up our price because right. of uh, we helped build awareness. We certainly built the number of customers and, and the most yes. valuable customers, which are enterprise customers. Yeah. Now, I should and I, say. I'm actually totally misstating this. The $4 billion cash deal was to take LogMeIn private. Yes. 
right? They bought out the stock right. of ever, or everything that was in right. there. But they it took it private. The value. And now they've spun off just now the they spun it off. Yeah, that's it. So, um, but uh, I anyway, I apologize. Oh, uh, is that your daughter now, Richard? So uh, we got a full sweep here. All the family. You know, you know the big thing that I do? I have all of the ringers turned off. Oh, that's smart. So they may be calling me. I just I got my don't. phone turned so, off, but the way, watch I do sometimes too, but it comes on. to my watch. Yeah, the watch. That's what I'm trying to figure. I put it on airplane mode. Yeah. I still got a text. Yeah, yeah. the watch you know the, the watch is in uh work mode. Um I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um yeah. These things are complicated. These icons. On One looks like theater of pain or something. What yeah, is... that's the that's for the theater mode. Yeah. <laughs> you, you never looked it? at that? It's the theater mode. It darkens it, so you don't blind people with your Apple Watch in a theater. It's not like a Motley Crue thing. You okay. can't you can't, can't cry <laughs> Apple Watch in a crowded theater. I think that's the rule. I gotcha. So, I mean, here's my problem for getting off a of LastPass. The right thing for me to do is change all the passwords. If I change them in LastPass, it doesn't affect the spouse. She just the new, yeah. she doesn't even know the passwords are changed. It right. work. So that's easy. If I go set up, yeah, well, I that's to, a lot easier so than moving. Time, or mm-hmm. I go to one pass and I start moving stuff, and which of course mm-hmm. is going to involve changing the password as well, which means now right. she breaks. Well, and I yes. got a worse one for you, Richard. I uh, was on LastPass, as is Lisa, my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, I left LastPass, went to Bitwarden, and after a suitable period of time, a few months, I wisely deleted my last pass vault what i didn't know yep. is that deletes all the shared passwords that lisa had yeah. so uh, all of us so they so <laughs> all so of a sudden internet broke everything broke every yep. shared password with my wife gone yeah how i made my spouse angry <laughs> yeah so don't do that step. and uh, you know we have a last pass we still wow. use last pass the enterprise version for the business Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk with our IT guy, but it's an even greater it's challenge to move. Task. Huge. And task. is it really necessary? I'm not is sure. Is it necessary? I, I don't know the answer to it. I mean, yeah. You know, you know the bigger thing I'm proud of at the end of the, at the end of the year, rather than dealing with this and getting my passwords changed, I shot off my Exchange server by the end of the year. Yeah. Woo. Decades. The last domain wow. moved into forward only through my DNS services. And I close those ports once and for all. You were running an exchange server? Since 2010. Are you a masochist? In, <laughs> yes. Because you know what it is? Because deep down, I hate myself. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Wow. But as, but as the run as guy, it was you. No, you had to. It's too. good. You, you I were... could look an exchange guy in the eye and say, listen, yeah, I feel your pain. I know what it's like. Yeah, um, and but now I, all- I want it. Now it's like get to the cloud, save yourself. How many exchange uh, flaws were there this past year? <sighs> kept going for months. Kept going, but and they were big ones too. Yes. And in many cases, they were they were unfixable. They were like, you should close your ports like, <laughs> like, until we get this Thanks. dealt with. Well, it sounds like it's fixable then. <laughs> Just close your yeah. ports. Just turn it off. I mean, I, yeah, does that turn the server into? Exactly? What did you What did you do with that uh, mail? Did you move it somewhere else? Uh, I had, I've been migrating to M365 for a while and shading accounts for friends and yeah. things bit by bit. I had one domain left that was really Jeez. only used by a couple of people and you know, constantly dealing with that. And finally, just, you know, the answer is just, I'm just going to mail forward to your Gmail and I'm shutting yep. this down. Bye-bye. I'm keeping the domain, but, and, it, and to be honest, the VM's still running. The ports are closed. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's fine. 
So the mail's still there. You still could access it if you had to. Or... It's just a, if you send email to those accounts now, it forwards to another box. Ah, so cool. you can't send mail to it. In theory, it could send mail out. Uh, it's my, you know, the funny one, of course, is I own gu.com, G-U-H.com. I got it in like 1995. It's There's no three-letter.coms left. And it is a portable right. DDoS attack. It gets six to ten million spam a month. <laughs> <laughs> I can point that MX record at any IP address you want to screw up, and it will screw it up. That's right. G U H dot com. What was? Is there? Is that an initial? Is that? It's just a sound you make when you yeah. fall on your face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a great sight. Step over, hit the ground. It's like food, right. right? Well, it's just a it, the, just a word. My one of the guys who helped me start Twit many years ago, uh, Dane owned uh, Hey H E Y Hey dot com. Wow. And he always said, this is uh, my new retirement. Uh, I, he, many I, offers. I get I get six-figure offers on it routinely. Why don't you sell it? Because I've got so many email addresses <laughs> attached. Too many accounts attached to it. You made me uh, unentangling that from myself. Like, that would cost me a hundred grand insanity. <laughs> he sold it. Eventually sold it to Jason Freed. Uh, uh, they created a hay mail. Uh, oh, I and uh, yeah. I think he's, I hope he sold it. I hope Dane, I hope you, Dane Golden, I hope you sold it for millions of bucks. Yeah. I, I, really I don't do. know if that's true. I guess there is a number there where it's like, it's worth. It was a big number. Yeah, In fact, yeah. uh, Freed said it was a eye watering number. So I'm yeah. gum mail could be something, you know, gum mail. <laughs> yeah. But over the years, I've literally different services I've used for proxying that where I've <laughs> called them and said, listen, you need to understand and they're like, let's let's just do it. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna move it over. And then the guy's watching his machine and just like, oh my god, <laughs> it's millions. That's hysterical. So, Why yeah, would, yeah, is it because people want that three letter domain? They're trying to steal. No, because it. it's so old. It's yeah. on every list. Oh, it's just been around <laughs> for so long. It's never back been when removed. the internet directory was a paper book. Yeah, that's why I generally don't uh, tell people my email addresses because I don't want that to happen. No, and, and, you know, you're exactly right. And and for better or worse, like, I'm sure you're in your boat, too, where it's like, hey, a lot of people who listen to the show email me periodically, right? Yeah. Like, it's, right. You want to have an, you're, e- you're, an email. You're part time. of their lives, yeah. for better or worse. And so yeah. I don't hide my email address. This is not, I, not that I don't hide it. Right. I bury it. Yeah. And I figure I if you want filters. me bad enough, you'll figure it out. Yeah. And, I, and, and I've got good filters. There's email addresses that yes. go into separate boxes that I only oh, read yes. on Sunday. Oh, yes. Right? Like, I mean, what I, you got to do. I do have a, a domain that I is my primary, uh, well, not primary, it's my, my it's near and dear to my heart. That's three letters dot two letters. So mm-hmm. that is a nice short six short. letter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Love that. Love it. I use that one a lot. Anyway, I'm very, I'm very happy about being exchangeless. Yes, I bet you are. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Paul, have you decided whether you're going to dump LastPass or no? I, so I haven't been actively using it. I still have an account. My wife is oh, actively that's good. using it. She um, is. I just, I, I think it's, you know, it's uh, something we have to talk about. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I think I, I understand the argument in either direction. Lisa um, wants to move, understands how hard that's going to be. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I said, I'll help you. We'll, you know, we'll get it done. It's yeah, the good news. It's willing, easy. I would do it. It's yeah. easy to move the con- the data. You know, it's a it's an export from LastPass and import into whatever you. Yeah, it's probably the tiniest, data. you know, little. That's the CSV part. file or whatever. Yeah, it's um, a CSV file exactly. Yeah, it's fairly tiny. But this this that's not the scary part. The scary no. part is 
you're going to uninstall LastPass from your device and you're going to yep. install the new thing on your device. device. You don't device want both says, of them on there I mean, once. You, got, <laughs> you have to do this everywhere. Like, no, I for a long time had both LastPass and, and Bitwarden running because okay. I wanted a smooth transition. Oh, interesting. Um, to do a side by side. Side by side. Actually, if that works on, fine. I know on iOS, you can have two or more associated exactly. ones for autofill. I use so Apple's get, so, password manager autofill yeah, so as well as Bitwarden. That's yeah. right. You can choose at the time of exactly. password insertion. Right so you can do that. And I did that because I thought it was prudent. And for I think I probably kept that LastPass account for a, maybe as much as a year before. Wow. Interesting. That was, yeah. The hard thing was go, okay. But how, how what happens with autofill it? if you have two of them? Uh, you, you, choose. Choose. you choose. You choose. It's not, okay. it's not hard to do that. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think it was prudent. It was absolutely prudent to uh, keep them both just in case. But well, at this one could point, be weeks of talking points as we do this. Oh, it has been. And various states of screaming. Yeah. I think at the very least, this should be, an op- like I said, an opportunity for people to at least go look at their passwords and maybe, you know, change the yeah. most important ones Refreshing. at the very least. Banks, yeah. uh, anything that has your credit card information, whatever, you know, merchants, et cetera. Yeah. I got to go right. to the septic you, tank, me. guys. I'm going to start the mission. Uh, yeah. More important than that, I got to f- pump the septic tank. Uh, yeah, it's kind of related. Is that what we're calling ending the show now? Time to pump the septic tank. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> you know what I mean. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> uh, your app yeah. pick of the week, Paul, is yeah. kind of contrary to what you were just talking about, but okay, I'm going to go with one. it. Yep. Yep. So I have been paying for an Xbox uh, Game Pass Ultimate subscription for a long time and it's expensive yes and the truth is I don't 15 bucks a month attention. right yeah i don't know if you pay attention to my video gaming escapades There's but i pretty one. much play one game there is but one yeah and that game is not on xbox game pass <laughs> although i'm hoping it will be <laughs> so were you thinking um, maybe game, you'd find another game like oh maybe it's just that i haven't i always think that i would you yeah know, me and too I never do never do and here's how i really it is the thing maybe that should have been the clue I haven't pl- the new Call of Duty game I play. So the previous three games I did not play. I tried to play each of them. I bought each of them, and I just they were awful. Like the online experiences are so terrible. So for the past three years or plus, I have been playing a four or five year old Call of Duty game, not the new one, right? Oh, so wow. that. maybe that should have been the hint that I don't need Game Pass. <laughs> you know, like like confronted by the fact that I don't like the new Call of Duty, I will instead play another Call of Duty. <laughs> anyway, the point is none of those games are on Game Pass. So, you know, game or um, Xbox Live Gold is sixty bucks a year. Uh, game Pass Ultimate is like one hundred and eighty dollars a year. I mean, probably maybe one hundred and fifty if you bought it in two six month chunks or whatever. But it's significantly more expensive. So, uh, I guess the point of this is I'm going to do what's right for me, <laughs> and that's what everyone should do, right? I mean, so I'm not saying everyone should quit Game Pass. I think Game Pass is a great value. It's just not the way I game, you know, so it doesn't really make sense for me. I like the idea of it, uh, but it, it's not right for me. Okay. Dump awesome. it. Yeah. Dump LastPass and that's right. Game Pass. <laughs> yeah, this week, it's, it's not so much picks as it is tricks. <laughs> tricks. Finally, I've been waiting for this. Yeah. I'm very excited. Uh, Richard Campbell, uh, as some of you may know, is a uh, guru. He's my personal uh, guru of brown liquors. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I've learned everything I know from Richard. And he <laughs> I've is, introduced you to a few. Yes. I had a little Angel's Envy over the uh, holidays, actually. It was Very quite nice. good. Yeah. Very drinkable. 
Drinkable. That's uh, a good word for it. It's it's like your daily driver, so to speak. Totally. <laughs> and, and if you want, and if you want to drink it on its own, right? It's not. I wouldn't blend. No, 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 no. I put it on a big ball of ice and slurp yeah, it. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. That's yeah. legit, right? Like I, 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 that's you know, and a Maker's Mark, I'll drink that way occasionally, but typically made into you know a Manhattan or an old fashioned. Yeah, yeah I was going to say cocktail. That's a cocktail. It's a cocktail. Cocktail, with, uh, although a nicer cocktail bourbon. Yeah, and we're all bourbons here because I. I got him a new bourbon for Christmas that uh, mysteriously has vanished at this point. Oh. Uh, and it's so from Christmas the, was uh, only a week ago, Richard. What happened? <laughs> only Christmas was only a week ago. Uh, which is the from the Orphan Barrel Distillery. So this is an interesting group because they don't do their own distilling. The, the uh, These folks are out of, of Tennessee. And for many years now, they clearly have relationships with a lot of distilleries because they buy old barrels. From different distilleries. And, you know, normally bourbons, you don't find them much more than five or six years old. And generally, they don't mention how old they are when they're that class. Like most, Maker's Mark is five, five and a half years. That's about it. Uh, You do see the occasional of the Weller 12s and some 18s and so forth. But many of the orphan barrels are substantially older Mm -hmm. than that. Uh, and I still have the the other problem, of course, is they buying these barrels. They're combining them and doing their own bottling. And when those barrels are gone, they're gone. Hence the name Orphan Barrel. So I have one Barter House Twenty left that I bought several years ago. I don't know what is going to make me open it because once I do open it, it won't last. <laughs> but it's probably the last one. And wow. and they make up. They have a bunch of different whiskeys, very much made the same way. And I've had many of them. They had forged oak, uh, certainly the Barter House, a few of the different rhetorics, um, which they have. They they clearly bought enough barrels of that that they're actually only bottling a certain amount each year. So they started with a twenty, and now they have a twenty-one, and I think up to twenty-five now. But this particular one that I got this Christmas is a bottle uh, uh, called Fable and Folly, and it's a uh, marked as a fourteen, although it is. Actually, a blend of the remains, uh, the the leftover barrels that they made forged oak and barter house and rhetoric from. So it had an interesting character. You know, we talk in bourbon, we talk about spiciness, and that's typically because of rye. Um, all bourbons are made with typically at least three grains, um, primarily corn. The FDA requirements for bourbon is fifty one percent corn. And because corn doesn't fully get consumed properly by yeast, it'll make methanol, which will make you go blind. And that's not a feature most people with corn bourbon. No, that's what my friend makes. So they typically add (laughs) five to ten percent of barley to the blend because it provides the amylase to properly digest the corn. And so they call the middle. I did not know that. That's quite interesting. That's how they work together, right? Whereas opposed to Scottish whiskey, where it's purely barley, and and Irish whiskey, where anything goes. Uh, but the F, who requires corn in your bourbon? So the, to be declared bourbon, right? If you're going to follow the Appalachian rules to be allowed to be used to use the term bourbon, you need to have 51 percent. Who sets that? The, the Kentucky, the FDA. Why well, would the FDA require something that's potentially well, poison? It's the champagne of the dist- whiskeys. The distilleries asked for it. Yeah, right? they didn't want other people making okay. making. Uh, alcohol calling it bourbon when it wasn't bourbon, right? And yeah. the drive for America to use corn in their liquors was that they had a lot of corn, which yeah. is trying to be the drive for most it's alcohol. the corn manufacturers again. Exactly. Yeah. So that middle grain between the corn and the barley is kind of the defining aspect of any bourbon. Uh, and the majority of them use rye. 
and rye tends to have a spicier character to it. But where you typically find very mellow bourbons is when they don't use rice, when they use wheat. And for example, in Maker's Mark, it's red winter wheat. Um, same is uh, also true for um, one of the uh, 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 name jumped out of my head. There's a few of them. And that's what I think makes this Fable and Folly interesting is because they some of the barrels were rye and some of them were wheated and oh, so you get this little spice note up front and then it chills out it doesn't get as hot uh it's a it's an interesting combination uh and so uh, very special bottling and and i don't know how long they're going to be around uh which is typical of uh orphan barrel so while you can find it you should grab it reasonably so priced. orphan barrel just finds these barrels lying around and Exactly. And, yeah. and this is a big business. This has been going on in Scotland for many, many years. The Gordon McPhail's and the connoisseurs, like these are all organizations to do that. It's also common for wine in France that there oh, yeah. are wine bottlers that buy barrels from other yeah. wineries. Right. Uh, and so uh, to me, it seems like Orphan Barrel was one of the first to do it for American bourbon uh, and have made some lovely things in the process. I wanted to, and I love the bottle. Uh, they, they have a lot of fun with their bottles. It's really pretty. It's really pretty. Yeah. So these are all uh, different uh, liquors. Orphan barrels. Orphan barrels. Yeah. So oh, they're all really, bourbons ultimately. Of, um, They've yeah. come from a few different Rick Hall. A Rick House is basically where you store barrels for aging. Yeah. Yeah. Do you what do you uh, do you drink straight up rye? Like what do you think of rye compared to bourbons? They're actually fairly hard to find because rye yeah. is expensive, right? Wheat is inexpensive. Corn is inexpensive because we've now tuned their growth to yeah, increase their over, density so much, right? Yeah, yeah. Like why why you know why why do we mostly find wheat and, and corn? Because we've learned to grow a lot of them per acre where barley right. and and uh, and rye don't grow well. There are a few. I have had them. They're not great. Yeah. Uh, they 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 they're very strong. They come across very harshly. Uh, as are most single vintage. You know, think about it from the wine perspective: a single vintage wine, a single grape wine versus a blend. And the reality is, for the most part, in whiskeys, they're all blends. So, I mean, I think the big rye that's out in the world is probably like uh, bullet rye. You know, compared to say bullet bourbon. I mean, except bullet rye just has a higher component of rye. It's still mostly corn. It's still mostly okay. And isn't right, Bullet yeah. one of those um, whiskeys that looks uh, fancy and fun, but is really made by one giant factory somewhere in the middle? <laughs> yeah, so it's from the French. Well, I was from just the, using it as a, an example of yeah, a no, I understand of a rye. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. didn't. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, you know, that I'm company pretty has sure they're, issues, so, they're, but. they're out of um, Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Kentucky. Kentucky, okay. Yeah. They're Kentucky bourbon. And they. And so there's a massive distillery there that makes a huge array of different. That's the thing to, to know. I mean, they make so many different ones and you think, oh, I'm getting, you know, yeah. Pappy this Van Cornhusker. And it's, you know, handmade. Yeah, you know, something no, it's, is like, yeah. Not, not exactly. There's a list somewhere I've read. of. Yeah. And, it, and the same comes down with, with Scottish whiskeys where Diageo owns yeah. over half of all yeah. the distilleries. Yeah. It's true in all liquors. You know, Inevitably, uh, because the business of selling alcohol worldwide is expensive. Right. And, so right. and there are economies of scale. Holiday. If you, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you can have a big factory, it's going to always be cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good. Well, I am now off to order some Orphan Barrel. <laughs> you think Folly and Fable is the best? I see some others. I, you, may, you know what? None of them are bad. Full stop. What, what can you find? Yeah, um, which you should be able to find the uh, the falling fable right now. 
Yeah. Uh, wow. And and one more question because we don't get a chance to ask Richard these booze questions as often as I'd like. <laughs> Folly yeah. and Fables, fourteen year, yeah. but they have a twenty five and a twenty year. Other other sure. is older better. Like wine isn't always better when it's older. Yeah, it, like wine depends. Depends. Um, one of the things, that, and I'm, I'm not sure if this is true in the FDA rules for bourbon. It's certainly true for Scot uh, for Scottish whiskey, which is that the youngest thing that goes in the bottle is the year you're allowed to use. So often there are older things also in the bottle. You're just not allowed to say that. Oh. Um, and oh. so it's typically that's what's youngest in the bottle. Because these are blends. All of them are blends. Yeah. Uh, this is the truth, right? That they're, they're all blends, yeah. right? They're yeah. either a blend of grains. They're inevitably a blend of barrels. Even if those barrels all came from the same year, it's multiple barrels, right? You'd, a given barrel is going to only hold two to 300 bottles of, right. of, of food. But you do see single barrel, you know, bourbons or single barrel you scotches do. are those really yes. single barrel or that's just some of them are okay and some of them are from a given casking like you pull they play with language yeah yeah that's uh, close though you yeah. know it's all in the but same typically, place a true single barrel or single cask will have a number on it right because it'll be one of 300 which, which barrel yeah yeah I mean, it, well or may which bottle from, from that barrel yeah, yeah yeah from that given barrel yeah. and and price and often the funny part is they're often priced accordingly if they're export i typically buy single casks in scotland yeah. because they're not labeled for export so they're ah. quite inexpensive yeah uh if you but you have to go to get them which I is have, not a we have a friend not a terrible problem we have a friend who has a special suitcase for yeah. going to scotland or oh, ireland awesome. buying yeah. whiskey and bringing that, it back that would be me i have one of those right <laughs> So I have a I have awesome. a I have a bag that will comfortably carry eight bottles, yes. which then I, I and 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 the boarders gotten to know me. Well, you're only allowed to bring in one bottle undeclared. You have to declare. It doesn't yeah. mean they're going to charge you for them. All you have to do is convince them that you're not going to sell. It's them. just for me. It's for and me. they take one look at you and they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a collector. Yeah, yeah. Get in there. <laughs> well, there's a couple of things you can do that make it easy. One is don't have eight of the same bottle. Right? Yeah, okay. The fact that they're That's all different good. matters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I've also learned, be excited to show them what's in your bag, which generally is good for borders for a full stop. Like, wait till you see what I have in this bag. And then tell a story <laughs> oh, I have about something each to declare. Oh, Look at this. Because you really know. Yeah. You really care. I really know. And I'm excited about it. Yeah. I'm an enthusiast. Because nice. by the second story, they're like, please stop and go yeah. away. <laughs> I should have done that when I got cut smuggling him on into the United States. Retcon 5 says, <clears throat> we got Call of Duty. Here and Call of Duty free. So uh, yeah, two versions <laughs> nice. of the nice. same game. Richard, it's always nice. a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Run as radio. Uh, and uh, that's runasradio.com. And, mm -hmm. uh, of course, uh, .NET rocks. But if you go to Run as Radio, can you find it all? Oh, it's all there. It's all there. Yeah. At yeah. Rich this, Campbell. This on week's show is... Yeah, at Rich Campbell's the Twitter handle. This week's show is Martina Grom talking about uh, M365 governance. You know, those are the topics we ought to do more of, Paul. I just, <laughs> Leo, I, I think we should table that and um, we could discuss it at the next meeting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Therott is at therott.com, T-H-U-R-O-R-R-O, double good. There's doubles mm -hmm. in all of it. T-H-U-R-O. R-O-Doublegood.com. His new book, uh, The Field Guide to Windows 11, which includes The Field Guide to Windows 10, it's uh, the turducken of computer books, uh, is available at leanpub.com. And uh, yes. like a turducken, you can cut it with your bare hands. 
no, I don't think so. Actually, it's probably if you if you had it in paper, it'd be pretty darn thick. You you probably you probably couldn't. Um, Paul, have a wonderful week. Richard, have a wonderful week. We Thank will uh, see at least Paul back here, right here next week for Windows Weekly. We do it 11 a.m. Pacific on a Wednesday. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 1900 UTC. You can watch us do it live at live.twit.tv. There's also an audio stream there. You can chat with us at irc.twit.tv or in the Club Twit Discord if you're a club member. After the fact, on-demand versions of this show available at twit.tv slash WW. Paul also posted, I never mentioned this, but Paul also kindly posts it uh, on his website, therat.com, along with his uh, First Ring Daily show that he does with Brad Sams every day. So uh, that's a good source as well. You know what the best, and there's a YouTube channel, of course, but the best thing to do would be find it in your favorite podcast player. Subscribe. That way you get it automatically. You're supporting the, uh, I think, very important ecosystem of free, independent, RSS-based podcasting. Uh, yeah, you can listen to us on Spotify, sure, but uh, but but, uh, but subscribe in your favorite RSS client, in your uh, podcast client, and uh, that'll make everybody feel like they're they're doing a good thing. <laughs> Thanks, Richard. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you next week on Windows Weekly. Hey, we should talk Linux. It's the operating system that runs the internet, but your game consoles, cell phones, and maybe even the machine on your desk. You already knew all that. What you may not know is that TwitNow is a show dedicated to it, the Untitled Linux Show. Whether you're a Linux pro, a burgeoning sysadmin, or just curious what the big deal is, you should join us on the Club Twit Discord every Saturday afternoon for news, analysis, and tips to sharpen your Linux skills. And then make sure you subscribe to the Club Twit exclusive Untitled Linux Show. Wait, you're not a Club Twit member yet? Well, go to twit.tv slash club twit and sign up. Hope to see you there.